0: Hum of party in the air, if that makes any sense.
1: There's, like, cocaine dust flying everywhere.
0: No! There's,
1: like, an aura of party drugs.
0: The window's open and I can hear, like, the the chattery hum of, like, a party happening in a house nearby.
1: I feel like you might be having auditory hallucinations because no. I cannot also hear it.
0: Not like a, you know, like a rager, but like a get together You've made the same
1: hand gesture friends. exasperatedly now for about 150 times and it still doesn't communicate <laughs> anything to me. It
0: communicates it to myself, which is really the only important thing.
1: Wow. <laughs> it all comes out, doesn't it? I don't understand why I can't hear it then. Maybe Shh. you're specifically attuned to if the you, frequency of if parting. If you be
0: quiet, you can hear it. I <laughs> refuse. I was just thinking in my head as well how this time of year... I think there's more, like, winter, autumn and winter is when you have the most parties, I feel. Because you start off with, like, Halloween, right? So there's Halloween parties. And then, as you get through the autumn, here you go on into bonfire night, where people have, like, get-togethers and fireworks and things. And in America, it's Thanksgiving. And then... Come December, you've got various Christmas parties, work Christmas parties, friend Christmas parties, family Christmas parties. Then you have New Year's.
1: Yeah, I see what so, you're saying.
0: There's no other time of year where there's like that many things all in a row each month. I don't know why I was thinking. I was I guess I was just thinking yeah. of that because of the party. I thing. still
1: can't hear this mystery party. Shh. What if it's a party of ghosts, like we go over and knock on the door and we're like, "Hi, can you kids keep the noise down?" And it's like an old lady and she's like, there was a party here in 1916, but they all died in a tragic fire. You could still hear the sound of their ghostly vinyl phonograph.
0: You don't know words, do you? What's a phonograph? I don't know phonograph. I think maybe you're saying the wrong word.
1: My brain had to react quickly because I wanted to say boombox. But I'd already said 1916, so I'd kind of boxed myself into a corner. And I was trying to think, how do they play music at, like, the turn of the century? I guess sometimes they just had actual bands playing music.
0: I don't think you're old enough to have had tapes, are you?
1: Yeah. Not to have... Like, I didn't have, like, a tape collection. But I remember having a tape cassette player.
0: And you have tapes?
1: Like, a couple... Like, I'm talking like two or three. But then
0: did CD? Yeah. Or, okay. I still remember, like, having my little boombox or whatever as you call it and, um, like, taping the radio. Oh, God. You would tape, like, on Sunday or whatever when they do the charts, you would tape the charts and you would, like, quickly try and pause it between songs, you know, when they talk over yeah. it. Um. But the thing is, some recorders, they would tape – what. It like it would record the room. You'd be called. So if like my mom came in or something, oh, it God. would record her ambient so, yeah. mom
1: noise. Yeah, I do I never did anything remotely like that. And
0: you could tape over. Like if you didn't have blank tapes, you could tape over tapes.
1: Yeah, I remember that, that you
0: were had bought it was the same like. with VHSs. Yeah, you just have to shove like a piece of paper in the little whole thing
1: I don't remember doing this yeah in- that's weird so did you also like get recordings of the ads in between
0: yeah if you just left it it would record everything but if you were in the room while it was happening you like sometimes you just wanted to listen to the charts to get one song or like whatever so, you have so you'd to have to like wait for it an to an hour up.
1: radio program yeah, to pretty much record three minutes of audio onto your little tape cassette yeah that kind of makes me think of you talking about how you'd have that weird extraneous audio kind of spliced in inadvertently like i don't know how long this would have been like 10 years ago maybe when you would download i remember i would never download albums of music like online via you know torrents let's just say i don't know why i'm being i don't know why i'm being like coy about it as if the pirate police are going to bust in they here might, any second. Honestly. But I would mostly download single songs as MP3s. Yeah. Like if a new song had come out that I wanted to listen to, I'd download it. And then sometimes you'd have like the radio DJ saying something over it. Yeah. To kind of watermark it for his. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it'd So it'd be like the middle of the song and it'd be like... God, I want to find you and throttle the life out of Depending you. Depends
0: on what it is as well, because sometimes it would just be a sound rather than a voice. It would almost become part of the song because you'd only ever listen to that version of the song yep. and so it would become part of it. And
1: then when you listen to it clean, you, your mind yeah, expects yeah, yeah. that noise. It's yeah. like
0: when you do listen to like albums and then you listen to just one song like on a playlist you expect the next song to kick in from the album because you're so used to listening yeah, to the exactly. album that's why when you only have like the free Spotify and so you can't skip songs and you have to listen to albums on shuffle is so shit
1: <laughs> that's why you never use the free Spotify
0: yeah well sometimes you have to sometimes you've used all your accounts okay but you can't get any more free trials <laughs> Speaking of, Netflix has really been fucking me lately. Because you know how everyone must do this, I'm sure, because it's a thing. And I don't understand why, if you know it's a thing, you wouldn't do it. Um, As long as you use, like, a different payment method and a different email, you can constantly just set up Netflix free trials. Same with Spotify.
1: You get a month, right? You get,
0: like, a month on Netflix. So it isn't as good as Spotify, but
1: yeah because spotify nobody would sometimes got 99
0: have 99 to play for netflix yeah. even though that's all i watch <laughs> so it would be worth it some
1: places have like three month free trials yeah and it's just like oh god but
0: netflix is only every month
1: you're rolling the dice here i might never come back after yeah. those three months
0: the past two times i've done it like with a different payment method and a different email address the day or two after i've set it up it's I try and go on it and it's, like, error, error, error. And then I go to my actual account settings and it's, like, I don't have a plan. Like, it's been cancelled. So then I talk to, like, I go on live chat and I'm, like, what's happening? My account's been cancelled. And they're basically, like, it seems... I don't know if they get your IP address or the vicinity that you... I don't know. They, it must be your IP address because how else would they know? They're, like, it seems like you've already had like your your where you are has already had like a free trial and so i was just like i live in a shared house and we share devices or we share the internet i love
1: this cover story yeah concocted
0: the second time i did it though because i had to do it just a few days ago he didn't he didn't say i said my it seems my netflix account was being cancelled and i don't know why and he straight away just figured sorted it out he didn't like say why so i didn't have to give the cover story he just sorted it out for me and restarted it
1: it's hard to know what leeway these individual like live chat people have because as we well know we've had many problems with amazon over the years yeah especially not delivering things on time the old Sorry, we couldn't deliver to you or we tried to knock on your door and there was no answer. And it's, of course, just a blatant lie. It was the end of the day and they'd run out of time. So they wanted to push it to the next day. And so you go on live chat and you say, you know, what's going on? I ordered this next day delivery. It's not here. And sometimes they'll basically just be like, oh, I'll get that re-delivered to you earliest thing next morning sometimes they're like here's an extra month of amazon prime yeah. and then sometimes they're like here's five or ten pound voucher for you to spend to make up for it and it's so arbitrary like yeah. there's no rhyme or reason to why they sometimes give you a better compensation than other times
0: it is weird like when i saw it at the netflix thing they just gave me a code i guess like a, it's like a gift card code to add to my account which gave me the free month. Yeah. Um but yeah, you're right. Sometimes you get like you'll get that person who wants to give you everything. I'll refund your delivery cost. I'll give you a 5 pound voucher and you'll get like sometimes you really get it all and then sometimes it's like there's nothing we can do about that. Sorry. It's going to be delivered tomorrow and it's like fuck you. They carry the company like, line. Yeah. It's really frustrating. They're
1: angling for promotion.
0: I think in Amazon's case, the free, like, voucher of £5 or whatever is always better. Because just like with what we were just talking about with Spotify and Netflix, if you just make a new account, you can get a free trial of yeah. Amazon Prime. So you can just have endless... They're going to listen to this and cut it on, and then they're going to change the whole <laughs> way of doing it, and we're never going to have anything free ever again. They look again. us up on
1: the database, and it's always a new name yeah. and email. And they're like, wow, this... Flatshare has a lot of people in. <laughs> 700 people over the last four years.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know. They
1: obviously know. If you make yeah, they must a one-month free trial that anyone can sign up to just using a new email, you have to factor in the the realisation that a certain amount of people are just going to constantly roll over that yeah. free trial. But most people are not because they yeah, can't be bothered with the hassle.
0: Yeah, lots of people... There's also a, probably a surprisingly amount of people who only have one email address. Yeah. And when you say, just make a new email account, they're like, oh no. Like, that's they think it's too like much getting trouble. a passport or They'd something. They'd rather just like pay. I don't pay. want to go through
1: the hassle of making a new email. It's like, it takes 40 seconds.
0: <laughs> and the thing is, you can always cancel your account straight away, so you know you won't get charged the next month.
1: Ah, uh, But is there anything worse than doing a free trial and forgetting about it? Yeah. And then months later, you're like... Oh, they charged my card. I like think that's once happened
0: to us twice. You did it once a long time ago, and then I did it a few months ago.
1: Yeah, I signed up to a podcast app that you had to pay a monthly fee to because I wanted to listen to a specific show that was on it. And so, of course, within a week, I'd listened to all the episodes I wanted to listen to, and I forgot to cancel it. And then, like two months later, I looked at my yeah. card or my PayPal—I forget which it was—and there was a charge on it. And I was like, "Ah, that sucks," because. I'm basically paying for a month I didn't use. Like I got the free trial for free and that's all fine and kosher and that should have been the end of it. But then I paid for another month that I got completely no benefit or use from.
0: That was like with me with Netflix. But what made it worse is... uh you know how, like, every time you have a Netflix, you have to use a new payment method. So, if you're someone who only has like one bank card, you can only ever do it once because you've only got that one payment method. But if you've got like a bank card, each, a credit card, a PayPal, then you use like your mum's information, your sure. friend's information. As one does. Yeah. But, like, I what sucked for me was I had obviously forgot to cancel um, the, the, the card, whatever card it was that I used. Then in my mind, knowing that, oh, today my Netflix account runs out, and instead of actually waiting for it to run out, I just then went and made another one with a new card. So there was a wasted, like, account, like, payment method used, if you know what I mean, because I was going to be charged for that next month on that one payment method, and I didn't stay. And so... This is the plight of to the be millennial. Like okay, I got
1: cheated out of my free, free month that I used <laughs> fake info to get.
0: Look, you half, half of the people listening right now are not in their fucking heads. Of course, right?
1: everyone knows this, and we've even had opportunities throughout the years. I love when it's something like you can get, like one time on Amazon. If you remember, there was a thing where if you signed up to Audible. I want to say, which is like their audio yeah. book service, you've got like £10 back or something like that. And there wasn't really any limitations on how many times you could do that apart from every time you did it, you had to use a new card and a new name. So, and we have, we don't have that many, but we have like two or three different cards yeah, for different did. things. And so I used those and then I got other cards from people that we know <laughs> i love how it sounds like i We're i scoured schemers. the underworld for stolen yeah, credit like, card info your friends and family yeah i I, like... I think i asked matthew i was basically just like i know this sounds oh i actually remember what happened i texted him and i was basically like there's this thing going on and i basically just need to use your card details and i'll get 10 pound for nothing and he messes back and was basically like, Is someone holding you at knife point right now, <laughs> trying to get you to use your phone to get as many credit card infos as funny. possible? And I thought that was very. But such
0: a good response. Like, yeah. you couldn't have, like. Yeah. That's and funny. so I had to call
1: him and confirm that it was really me. But it wasn't a. Pr- but he was. And that
0: you didn't sound. He distressed was fine with it. Anyway.
1: But I just love those opportunities where it's like, because Amazon have fucked us over so many times.
0: In what sense?
1: Not delivering things.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you specifically, like, when you're searching for something, you specifically search for, like, Prime, or, like, when we were living in London, Prime Now, which is the same day. So, you know, you, you, some, in a lot of cases, you're ordering things in that circumstance because... You need it today or you need it tomorrow. So you've chosen Amazon because you know you can get it really quickly. And then when they don't deliver it for whatever stupid reason, like they pretend you weren't there, that's really infuriating.
1: Because sometimes the Amazon Prime option is a bit more expensive, but you choose it because you like the convenience of getting it the next day. And so then when it doesn't come the next day, it's like, well, I was kind of just swindled out of that extra money. I could have got a cheaper salad.
0: That's true. Yeah, I never thought about that. I forget. Yeah, Prime is often like, like we just ordered something, and it was nine ninety nine. But if we wanted it on Prime, it was eleven ninety nine. And I know that's only two pound. But if you do that with every item you order, you you really in a way when you think about it, you are paying for delivery because
1: you're paying. You're a, a little bit
0: more to get it the next day. But it's not always more expensive. Prime no. is not always more expensive. It's just some things. This was just a case of, like, if you want the blue one, it's $9.99. If you want the pink one, it's eleven ninety nine, And it's on Prime. They do that on purpose.
1: I don't <laughs> want to bash Amazon. I do find their service yeah. to be very useful. But I've just had a lot of run-ins with their customer service over the years where it's like... It's like talking to a robot. You know that they're just going through a script and they don't actually have any incentive or any desire to actually help you with the problem. If there isn't a script dialogue option for your specific thing you're asking them to do, you just hit a brick wall. And so you realize that you're just up against this huge corporate bmf
0: i don't think i ever bought anything from amazon until i met you because you're like a big amazon person i, feel I like, converted you i feel like as soon as you know you want to buy something if it is the type of thing that you'd buy from that you can get you from can, amazon yeah. you will go there first whereas i knew about amazon obviously but it it always seemed like yeah i don't know what what the aversion was, but I just never bought anything from them before. And now it's like whenever I know I'm searching for something, you'll be like, Have you checked Amazon? It is one of the yeah. first places I checked now. It's easier but, and quicker. Yeah. Anyway, it's weird like... Isn't it
1: weird to think that Amazon once upon a time was just a website that sold books? Was it? Yeah. Back in the day. Oh and now they have kind of taken over the world.
0: I did not know that. Yeah they five have five years from over now the there's
1: gonna be like Swarms of drones blocking out the sun, delivering like <laughs> swimming goggles and blenders and video games Weird. across the city.
0: There are lots of like apps and things like, I don't want me think of it, thinking of places that, oh, why don't you buy from Amazon? Like I've gotten a lot of like, say I'm being buying like secondhand clothes like, from eBay or whatever, and they're, like, several clothing, not even just clothing, but you can sell anything on there, accessories, you can even sell homeware stuff on there, um, but I use, like, a couple of apps, like, frequently to buy stuff, and it's so strange that, like, not everyone knows about them, like, I don't know anyone in real life who uses it, um... I don't, yeah, that's going kind of, I don't really have anything to say other than that, but...
1: But you're very much into that world of finding these crazy bargains of, like, yeah, amazing clothes that have never been worn before, and someone is selling super, super cheap.
0: Yeah, I'm cheap. Even when, like, I have money, I find it very hard to, like, just be like, yeah, get it. It's like, whatever. I really want to try and find it the cheapest yeah, way possible. Yeah, we're the same way. And... If it's, like, a big... Pur- and to me, a big purchase is, like, more than £10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if it's, like, more than £10, I sometimes agonise over whether yeah. it's the right decision. Just because, you know, money is a big deal. Yeah. It's always When money's tight, each
1: individual purchase is yeah. something you have to really think about.
0: I do have the impulse control, though, that some people kind of always have like I do sometimes get like it's more so if I'm out shopping like there's not really that impulse thing online whereas like I know some people probably will look online and they'll just constantly see things add it add it add it to the bag. like if you're on Amazon and you're not really searching for something specific it's easy to add loads of things like you're in the supermarket so I don't really do that online but I do kind of have that bit of impulse thing in person
1: yeah, you. I know. Yeah, <laughs> we go to shops and you just put things in the basket, and then by the time we get to the counter, and I'm putting them all onto the conveyor belt, it's like a line of shame of all the little things you've picked up around the store. Shame, because it'll be like little candles and like little knickknacks. You hate and knickknacks. This is the,
0: this is your problem.
1: <laughs> because I, we don't have a very big apartment, yeah, we don't. and I don't want it to be polluted with endless little. I keep wanting to say garden gnomes, but you don't buy garden gnomes. <laughs> it just keeps popping into my head when I think about cheap tat that people buy impulsively.
0: But I, I realized over the past few years, we really don't have anywhere to put knickknacks. Like, I feel like most people, they'll have like certain areas in the house where they put stuff like that. Either they'll have like a unit in their bedroom where they put, they automatically just put stuff like that on, or a shelf in their living room or whatever but we don't really have any spare space at all like just the other day you got a new book and you were like there's nowhere else to put yeah, it because our no bookshelves space. are full so i realized even though i am i do like the knickknack especially when you go to like the pound shop <laughs> i'm like everything's a pound. let's find it yeah. off. um you're
1: like there's... a junkie being around like yeah. a heroin production factory <laughs> when you go into a pound shop just a
0: little taste but, um, yeah, I, I don't have anywhere to put any of that stuff anymore. So I do try not to go. That's good.
1: It kind of keeps you in check because you don't even have the physical space.
0: Yeah.
1: But I like that you have little cute <coughs> girly figurines and stuff girly. arrayed on the, the shelves.
0: Speaking of, you went to the, sh- the shop the other day and surprised me with a little, <laughs> fi- little, my little. I am a very, like cutesy like i like hello kitty and my little pony and <clears throat> things like that and you got me like a little my little pony
1: yeah it was from those wh- i don't know how to describe them Is it-
0: in japan they have a specific name for them but i don't think we have a name for them it's it- like just a machine that you put money in and you get like a little egg
1: It's like a little plastic egg that has a little toy in it. Yeah. And each different segment of the machine has a different... Theme. Yeah. So it'll be like Marvel characters or...
0: Disney princesses. My Little
1: Pony or like some little small toy. It's kind of like Kinder Egg toys, which I know you also like. I do
0: also. Inexplicably. Yeah. I like the Kinder Egg chocolate, but also recently they did a Hello Kitty Kinder Egg and it was like collect all six. And so I was like, I want to collect them all. And...
1: You're the target market.
0: I have only actually got, like, three of them, but I've got a duplicate, so...
1: We mounted her down because Mm. she was surplus to requirements. What's wrong with you? We said, why can't you be unique?
0: Mean to kiddie.
1: So, anyway, I went to the supermarket to get some stuff, and on the way out, they strategically placed those type of things (laughs) on the way out. You hate
0: that shit. I
1: do. So... And I was putting my change back into my pocket and I had a one pound coin and I saw it fl- like literally just after I looked at the one pound coin, I saw in the machine, it had like a big one pound sticker. So I was like, and I saw at the bottom, cause there was like a row of kind of like, it was like a free by free mm. set of these little machines. And one of the bottom ones was my little pony. So you got like a little, yeah my little pony figurine. And so I was like. I know that Samantha likes these. It will be super cute to come home with like a little plastic egg for her to open. So I crouched down because it's right by the floor and I couldn't get the pound coin to go into the <laughs> slot and seconds were ticking by and people were going past me and with every passing second, I was regretting this decision to crouch down in front of the My Little Pony Sad. machine more and more. This, and- is
0: not gonna, this isn't going to make you not want to get me another one.
1: It is. Because I, uh, I literally upsetting. was crouching there for about a minute and a half before I figured out how the machine worked, <laughs> and I was starting to think like people are looking at me, and I'm using that self-conscious about the type of thing, but I'm like huddled, crouched down in front with of this the machine, bags. like bashing it. Give me, give me the <laughs> McDonald <mind-blowing> pony. <laughs> and so, if it hadn't given, if I hadn't figured out how to get the coin in, when I did, I might have just walked away.
0: What's wrong with you? Because the
1: opportunity cost of shame and embarrassment was raising too high. <laughs> but yeah, eventually I got you one and it's super cute.
0: It was super cute. Speaking of kitties.
1: Are we gonna give what is hopefully We have
0: like a Rudy yeah. watch. We need to help like Hopefully a, this
1: is the final instalment yeah. of the ongoing adventures of Rudy Cat Goes to the Vets.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we didn't really put a podcast out when we usually do, I guess.
1: Yeah, this one's a bit delayed because we've yeah. been dealing Extra with Extra
0: delayed, I'd like to say.
1: Half stuff with our little kitty cat.
0: Yeah, so I don't really know where I left off before. I think it it was before like the it got really serious. Um basically we had taken him for some blood tests. I think that we probably spoke about that. But it took like three weeks to get the blood tests back. Yeah, because I remember we talked about the quote unquote crush cage and we yeah, were saying yeah. how horrible that term was. So we went comes
1: back and he looks like one of those cars they crush into like a This little is square. horrible.
0: Why would you put that visual into my head? That's <laughs> mean. Kind That's of absolutely hilarious. mean. It'd be
1: so much easier to handle if we could just like crush him toss him around as a cube
0: yeah oh no
1: he can be our little companion cube
0: whatever so we get the um the results back three weeks after that incident and I don't go in for an appointment because they're very st- like because it's like essentially like a charity um that we te- that we take him to they are very busy and like They are never quick to just be like, yes, we can talk to you about this for, like, a long period of time. It's very just like, here's information in bullet points. Get out. Like, we need to see other people. Which is
1: understandable. Yeah,
0: of course. But it's so hard to get them on the phone because you're always in a queue. And then when you do speak to someone, they just are not that forthcoming. Like, it's hard. Anyway, I called them. So no one even called me. I was like, we have an appointment tomorrow. I'll call to see if the um results are back and she was just like yeah the results are back but i can't tell you what they say because i'm just a receptionist and i don't know how to read the results and so i was like oh okay so then i had to wait for the vet to be free to call me
1: (laughs) cut to the results and they're in like ancient egyptian yeah
0: but they didn't call me so i had to try and get back in touch with them which again isn't like an very straightforward thing it's usually like you're on the phone for an hour before you speak to someone and I was like the vet was supposed to call me what's happening and she was like oh the person who you spoke to earlier didn't put it down as like an appointment so the vet doesn't know they need to call you because they have like no free time so you have to put it on the system they called me back eventually and gave me some information and basically just said that he has something called hypercalcemia where their calcium is really high And usually that's an indication of cancer, lymphoma. And I was like, straight away, I was like, what? At that point, I felt like I wasn't able to speak properly. Like I was on the verge of tears. She was trying to give me information, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really information she was talking, but she wasn't really saying what the plan was. And
1: As soon as you drop the C word, it's kind of like a paralytic
0: and she also was because she was very it was very wishy-washy it's indication of cancer um it could be but it might be but we're not going to just go ahead and do chemotherapy and i'm like what so he does have cancer like yeah. like i was trying to like get the information that i needed but also i was stunned so it was difficult um she was just like since his vomiting has seemed to have, like subsided a little bit we'll basically just wait to see if he starts vomiting again, I'm like, oh, this is a good plan, and she said, if he starts vomiting again, we'll put him on a steroid, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, what's the steroid, like, I don't ask what the steroid's for, what's the steroid supposed to do, anyway, so we get off the phone, the next day, he does vomit a lot, so I call, and I'm like, What should we do? She says, come and pick up the steroid. I go and pick up the steroid and no one tells me any information. She's like, they're too busy to talk to you. Here's the steroid, go away. So we give him the steroid and like five days passes. And I'm like, all these five days in my head, I'm like, does he have cancer? How do we know whether or not he's got cancer or not? So he has the steroid for five days. And then long story short, I basically call up to get more information because I don't feel satisfied. Um... It turns out he needs another test, but that this place doesn't do that, give that test because they don't have the equipment. So we go to a different vets where it's a very different setup.
1: It's a private vet. It's
0: a private vet. So you have to pay like a lot more money. So we take him there. And when we go to pick him up, because they obviously have to sedate him, give him an ultrasound, do more blood tests. He is very strange. Like... We have mentioned before that he gets kind of aggressive if you're trying to do something to him that he doesn't want you to, or like he doesn't, there's a stranger and he doesn't know what's going on. But we have never quite seen him like this before.
1: I, in my mind, it's almost like I didn't even realize that he could make the type of noises he was making. Mm. He was making like big cat roars. Yeah, he was roaring. From a little house cat. <laughs> yeah. He was making the type of noises of. I'm in a life or death situation. I'm going to kill every motherfucker in this room (laughs) and then I'm going to get the fuck out of Dodge type of noises.
0: It's like when you see videos of like big cats and they're making like sounds at each other. It was like that. It was like...
1: It was was crazy. I couldn't believe that he could make those type of noises. I've never heard anything remotely like that from him before.
0: And he was doing that thing where he was like in the pet carrier but he was like jumping at it so it was like moving. It was so... It was odd. And like, I was, for a little second, I was scared. I was like, we're going to open this and he's going to lunge at us. That's what I thought he was going to do.
1: It was very disturbing because he was obviously... And this is when we came back to pick him up after he had been sedated. They'd done the tests and whatnot. So we knew he was also kind of groggy and out of it from being sedated. So it's not good for him to be like throwing himself against the sides of his little carry box. And also when... The woman first brought him out, because they had to shave his tummy and his throat to do the ultrasound, there was hair, like, trapped in the latches of the cage.
0: And I was like... Is his hair, Is his fur caught in, I thought the fur was attached yeah, to him. Yeah, I thought
1: that he his fur had been, like, caught in the little latches that you close the cage
0: with. And that's why I thought he was making those warring sounds. Which would make sense. Signs. Yeah. I was like, is he in pain because he's caught in the latch? And she's like, no, it's the shaved hair. And, like, she pulled it out. And I was like, oh, my God. There was also clumps of his hair still in his carrier yeah. box. And I'm like, this is... A massacre, like
1: <laughs> a massacre, <It's> just his <laughs> I hair.
0: I don't know. It's very traumatizing so, yeah, to
1: see. That was definitely not fun. But then we took him home, and this vet was better because it is literally like a two-minute walk from our house. Yeah, like we didn't even have to get a taxi. We just put him in the carry box and we walked there yeah. and then walked back. So anyway, we bring him home, and he gets out of his carry box, and it wasn't like last time where. They gave us him back basically as soon as he had woken up from the sedation. Mm. So when we got home, he was still kind of spacey and, like, zoning out and clearly kind of, like, in a stupor. At this point, it had been several hours since he'd been sedated. So he was kind of semi back mm. to normal.
0: This vet kept him until he was, like, awake properly and to monitor him and stuff. Because this is, like, a proper, like you're paying lots of money, so they're doing, like... It
1: definitely wasn't cheap, let's yeah. say that.
0: But um, but whereas, like, the other place is very much like... Um,
1: we do the big Think minimi. of it as,
0: like, going to the ER, the A&E. They get you in and out. They yeah. don't keep you around to just look at you. It's like, we need the space, we need the time, we need the vet free. So. Um, so, yeah, so we know a bit more now about what's going on. Don't think it's cancer at this point, but we're still yeah. waiting for some blood tests. But to we come got back. the
1: results back from the main tests that we had mm. done, and, and
0: they said his calcium's back to normal. Yeah,
1: everything checked out okay, mm. which is really good because this was a more serious test that was more kind yeah. of able to determine what was going on. So it was definitely very heartening to get that phone call of all the results are back and it's fine across the board.
0: Yeah, we're just waiting for the second set of tests to come back and also he's currently on some medication that's helping him with something else that they think was going on. Um so it's just a waiting game right yeah. now. We're just seeing if the medication does, you know, does what it needs to do and also waiting for the other results and then, you know, we'll go from there.
1: How weird does he look with a big shaved patch yeah. on his tummy?
0: Yeah, it does kind of look odd. It feels so strange. I feel like
1: he is self-conscious about it. Because well. not once, since we've brought him back, and this is obviously a little while now, has he done the thing where he lies on his back, on his back? and lets yeah. you touch his tummy? So it's almost like he knows he that knows, something isn't. is going on. Yeah. So
0: I think they shaved his throat because that's where they... like. When I'm stroking him, like, by his cheeks and, like, under his chin, I can feel what feels almost like a little bit of a scab, like, maybe that's where they took blood from.
1: Possibly, yeah. Yeah.
0: Because they shaved him, his, his like, leg.
1: The previous time. they took
0: blood the last time. Yeah. So, I think maybe.
1: So, yeah, this wasn't a super fun experience all round. It was expensive and, again, kind of traumatic for our little kitty cat, but. I think we have to look back at it as a good thing because he had these better tests done and they all came back negative. Mm. So that's where we are right now. Yeah, but the main test results we've had back.
0: Yeah, Um, but we had to change. We got like this crazy weird like automatic feeder thing for him because one of the things that we need to do is like feed him more regularly. But like less food, if you know what I mean? So, like little bits of food, but like really frequently. And so, I was having to wake up like every two and a half hours to like feed. Like, we had him. a little baby. Yeah. And it was really that, like, coupled with like the stress of not knowing what was going on and also having to keep an eye on his food, having to ad- administer several medications across the day and then waking up every day. It was really starting to stress me out. Like, I don't know how people deal with, like, newborn babies because I I really just was starting to get overwhelmed. So I was like, okay, let's get an automatic feeder so I don't have to wake up. I don't have to constantly set my alarm throughout the day and night to be like, okay, feed him, feed him, feed him, feed him.
1: And naturally, I leave you to do the research to find the best one and you come <laughs> back with this giant yellow eyesore. <laughs> Which looks like something from the 1980s. It's
0: like Bumblebee from the Transformers.
1: It's like something I don't want in my house (laughs) because it looks atrocious.
0: Look, it was another one of those cases where it was like, for a better colour, you pay more. Although, in this model that I ended up going with, there was only this colour that I could find.
1: Don't ever make anything in yellow. I know. Are you listening to me, manufacturers across the world? No one wants that.
0: It's so weird as well because the part where his food goes is black and it's like you can't see his food because his food is brown and because of where his food is, there's like a shadow, like there's a difficult, um, obviously he can see it, but it's so weird. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's a very strange style design. Yeah. Weirdness,
1: And we got it for a good price through eBay. We
0: did, yeah. I ended up seeing... It was one of those things as well where she was like, best offer. She was like, how low can we go? How low can we go?
1: Is it too rude to offer this low price?
0: I didn't go as low as like... I sell quite a lot on eBay. And I sometimes, occasionally, if something is not really selling, I'll put it on for best offer just to see. And a lot of people do try and send you a best offer of like half the price that you're asking. That's not what best offer means, guys. Best offer means like a few pound less. Yeah. So I tried not to do that with this person, even though I wanted to, because it's kind of an insult. Like, But, but she came back, even though we didn't go very low, she still came back haggling over like a pound. So then we haggled even yeah. more. It was the very really one of those like, it was like twenty five, no twenty one, no twenty three, no twenty two, and so then you eventually meet in the middle. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Um, so
1: yeah, we got it. It's the weird thing is about it. You can record a six second voice clip to play every time it gives more yeah. food. What can you say in six seconds?
0: You be like, Udi, can we get your dinner?" Sure, like I guess. don't know, because we're gonna go away soon. Um, do you, you want to talk first... about that? Yeah, I do. It's very exciting. Your face okay. just lit up. I know. So, okay. I have never been out of the UK. I have been to... We're in England, obviously, if you didn't know. And I've been to Wales. And I've technically been to Scotland, but not really. I've drove through a bit of it, so I haven't really seen any of it. Um... It was
1: just like a one-day arms deal. <laughs>
0: So I've yeah, so they're the only place I've ever been um and then I've and then me and Ryan, we have never been away together anywhere, so it's a big deal. I'm very excited about it, and we are gonna go to Paris at the end of November, just for like two nights um but yeah i'm very 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 excited <laughs> i wonder if we're gonna get another podcast out before then because it's just over three weeks away so it's it possible. might be pre-paris or post-paris when you hear from us again but i'm very very excited and i have been in research mode since we visited, it seeing what we want to see and like a bit you know a lot of people go to places like that and you know, they will pack, like, every single minute of their day with, like, museums and galleries and things. And what I do want to go to, like, museums and galleries, a big thing I want to just do, and you also want to do, is just walk the streets. Like, sit in cafes and, like, people watch and, like, just see Paris rather than see, like, Paris for half a day and then the other day and a half be in a gallery
1: like because
0: you know yeah do you not have anything to say i'm letting
1: you you know kind of blow off steam i don't know what i'm trying to say you've got so much to say about it i'm super excited i've always wanted to go to paris not in the same hyper intense way that this is like one of your bucket list things yeah this is definitely a book but i've always been interested in going to paris and so yeah it's gonna be fun it was a little bit stressful booking things as it always is because you're trying to like give yourself the most amount of time there possible whilst also having like reasonable getting their times and coming back times and connections and all that stuff and talking of connections,
0: <laughs> <laughs> again,
1: you leave Samantha to do the planning. No, wait. And this is what you get, goddammit. No, wait.
0: Before you go into it, let me preface it by saying, I have never travelled anywhere. Like, going to Wales, if, you're, if you, you're someone who doesn't live in the UK and you don't know, going from England to Wales and England to Scotland, you don't need a passport. It's like being in the same country. There are no...
1: It's border not a big crossings,
0: deal. it's not a big deal you basically pass a sign saying now you're in Wales and now you're in Wales Like, it's not a big deal and I've never been anywhere like, and I've only even been in an airport one time and that was when Steph came and we took her and I had no idea what she had to do so I'm pref- we're prefacing it by saying I didn't in in my mind at all think that this was like a thing <laughs> go ahead
1: so now you've made that preemptive <laughs> Exculpatory because statement.
0: I feel like this type of thing is not really the mistake that we would have made.
1: If we'd had a
0: known, yeah.
1: Yeah. The funny thing is I've been on the Eurostar before, yeah. but I didn't remember because it was a long time ago. Yeah. But basically what happened is we're going via the Eurostar, which for international listeners is basically like the train that goes across Europe.
0: Yeah. Goes under the sea in that
1: through yeah. the channel tunnel. And Smenford was smart. She left like a like basically an hour to get from our train that takes <clears throat> us into London to the Eurostar station, which is very close to where we get in. But what she didn't realise... And this is stupid because they don't tell this to you as you're booking it. You only find out after you've already booked it and you're locked in. But you have to, like, check in half an hour early to get on the Eurostar because you need to... It's kind of like going through customs. Yeah, there
0: are actual... turns out there are actual gates. You go through the gate, you show them your path, and then half an hour before departure, they close those gates, meaning you can't get through Allegedly, at all. Yeah, allegedly.
1: <clears throat> so, yeah. Although... Originally, it seemed like we had a lot of time to make that connection. We had like 55 minutes. If you factor in this new information, it basically means that even if our train is on time, which is a big if, believe me, (laughs) we'll only have 20 minutes to get from our train station to the other station. And it is a very small distance to cross.
0: So it's doable.
1: It's very doable. But if the train...
0: The first train. The
1: first train is late... We are going to have to sprint with suitcases in tow.
0: And I did, and I found a website that shows you how often in the past your train has been on time. And it was something shit like 40-something percent. Like, it was a really shit percentage of, like, how often the train has been on time. That time, that day, that journey in the past however many weeks or months. But then I changed it to how many times has the train been either on time or five minutes late, and then how many times has the train been on time or ten minutes late, and it shot up to, like, 94%. So that would still only then allow us, like, ten minutes to get there, but I think it's still doable. Yeah. But that's only if the train is, like, on time or up to ten minutes late.
1: It introduces a element of adventure. <laughs> To the travel
0: you say adventure I say I'm about to have like a heart like a stress induced yeah. heart attack
1: I think we're gonna do it it's gonna be fine well we can't
0: cut to next podcast well
1: <laughs> we missed our train we to missed Paris our
0: train but however we do have travel insurance yeah. so we're Probably going to, even if we miss it, we'll probably still just get tickets for, like, on the day.
1: And you may be asking, why don't you just change your train times? A, we can't change the train into London because it's literally the earliest possible train. Yeah. And you can't change the Eurostar that we'll then be getting onto because they charge you a ridiculously exorbitant, like, change fee, which just... Again, cements my suspicion that they don't tell you about the mm. early check-in requirements because they're trying to catch people out and get them to pay to change their um, itinerary.
0: I mean, technically, they tell you in that there's a link to terms and conditions, but no yeah. one reads those. No one
1: scrolls through the 10,000-word document. Mm.
0: And the only way they tell you afterwards is when you're at the confirmation page, you've pressed buy tickets. The confirmation page flashes up with your reference number, and then in writing it says, please check in 30 minutes before departure. Yeah. I'm like, you couldn't put that on the page beforehand?
1: It should be like a giant mm. red flashing pop-up window that says, listen, you dolt. You have to be there <laughs> half an hour early. Plan accordingly.
0: And of course, it will just be the case of like whether we get like a job's worth on the day, because... I spoke, after this happened, I was in, like, frantically trying to, like, speak to customer service or whatever. And I purposely spoke to several different people to try and get, like, a consensus of what the whether the rule is, like, this hard rule, like, you're one minute late, you can't get through, or actually, you can get through. And I didn't really come up with a solid answer because I spoke to, like, three different people and they all said something different.
1: So, yeah. As much as you're <laughs> probably... Saga enraptured by the (laughs) minutiae of our travel arrangements everything i think will go fine and then we'll be in paris paris we'll be eating croissants and fresh baked french bread yeah and maybe even sewer rats what's wrong with you a delicacy roasted over an open hobo fire
0: i'm horrified i guess i guess i'm so excited i know
1: it's gonna be fun
0: i as like if there are people out there who do think about things like this like i am already thinking about like what i want to wear we're going for like technically we'll be there like three part three days so that's three outfits so i'm like what do i want to wear to like arrive what do i want to wear when i see the eiffel tower what do i want to like do you know what i mean like silly things like that but i don't know
1: whereas i'm like to think about same jeans every day. Different t-shirt. Which blue t-shirt am I gonna wear today? <laughs> <laughs> um, but there
0: are preparations like getting my hair done. Yeah. I've like need to redone my hair. My roots are horrendous right now. If you could see me, they're like four inches long. They're not four inches long, but they feel four inches long.
1: There's so many jokes I could make no, right now. Your roots are no a jokes. grower, not a shower.
0: What is wrong with you?
1: Everyone was thinking it. Were they I just gave voice to their inner monologue.
0: No. Can we put a little pink streak in your hair?
1: Like a Mohican going yeah. like bisecting my skull?
0: I was thinking more so like a little secret bit down here that like you can only see. What's like, the point then? Because I will know a new one. Every so
1: often you're like, you'll like sn- creep up behind me and lift up my locks to check <laughs> that the pink streak is still there. This is horrendous.
0: Is it horrendous or is it cute?
1: Horrendous. Cute. Horrendous? Cute cute renders
0: I'll dye your eyebrows in your sleep
1: oh god can you guys know, having dyed eyebrows like pink or red or something bright people like do that that, that do would look mean, so oh, peculiar what do you mean oh god can you
0: imagine what's wrong with that
1: I don't know I feel like you'd almost look kind of clownish
0: no I think the thought of it might seem a bit silly but there are plenty of people who have like brightly coloured hair who then have the same colour eyebrows, and it just looks normal. I feel like
1: I've never seen this ever yeah, in my life.
0: A couple of like YouTubers that I watch, they have, like, one has pink hair, one has, like, green hair, and they sometimes have, like, pink or green eyebrows, and it honestly just looks normal. Yeah, because some people think it's weird when you dye your hair, like, bright pink, and then you have brown eyebrows. Some people think that's weird.
1: How is that weird?
0: Because your eyebrows are supposed to match your hair.
1: I guess. But
0: yeah, I don't
1: know. I guess it's no more weird than tattooed think... on eyebrows, yeah. which really freak me out.
0: <clears throat> I get the need for that. Like obviously there are people who can't don't don't have eyebrows for like a specific reason, like an illness or whatever. Jesus Christ.
1: I'm not That's... like criticizing chemo patients.
0: <laughs> That's not what I
1: meant. I love how you try to heap these false <clears throat> accusations, these character assassination smears upon me oh, yeah.
0: I don't know how people draw their eyebrows on in like a good way because I don't know how you would like it's hard enough to get like your eyeliner to match one eye and the other but to draw your eyebrows on from scratch like, there's nothing underneath so you're really just like freehanding it and you might think oh yeah but it's just like an arch or whatever so how hard can it be but Yeah, when you've got no hair to disguise what might be like a bit of a mess up and you have to match them, like...
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I couldn't do that, I don't think.
1: Because if you do have your eyebrows tattooed on, I know this is a strange concern, but it just occurred to me, (laughs) that exact arch you have wouldn't be the same as you get older and your face changes, like as you gain weight and you lose weight and you get wrinkles and... You know what I mean? Like the way the exact way that your eyebrows are arched when you're like nineteen is not gonna be the way that they should look when you're like fifty-two. Yeah, I
0: know what you mean. But tattoo face tattoos don't last like that. Um things like tattooed eyebrows and like some people have tattooed eyeliner and tattooed lip liner. Oh, God they don't last.
1: Can you imagine putting a pneumatic needle gun yeah. by your eyeball? Yeah, you literally it. couldn't pay me yeah, to do you couldn't it. Me well, you could, but well, I'm talking,
0: yeah, you probably could tens millions of millions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am, um,
1: but I'd probably pass out from fear before yeah, it was me, over. I'd be like,
0: just sedate me because I can't <laughs> and shave
1: my tummy while you're there. Oh, <laughs> <Aww.
0: laughs> call back. I am, um, yeah, I think the eyebrows will probably last longer than like the eyeliner or the lips because obviously the amount you like. It's always exposed. It's never covered up like some tattoos are. And also the water, the moisturiser, all the different things that you put on your face, the amount you shower when you wash your hair. Like they fade quite fast. Like people who have things like tattooed lip liner and eyeliner and stuff, I think they have to get them redone quite often.
1: But I thought the whole idea (laughs) of why it's worthwhile is that you do it once then you don't have to worry about this aspect of your makeup routine anymore. Well,
0: it's still worth it in the sense that you have to do your makeup every day if you want to wear it every day, whereas, like, that's a big difference for doing it, what, how many days in six months and then having to do it once every six months. Like, that's still a massive difference.
1: Six months seems like a ridiculously short time for a tattoo to last.
0: Yeah. Are they basically
1: just using a Sharpie?
0: Yeah. It might also be a different technique than that, like, millions of years. It might be, like, a lighter technique because it is – your mouth or your eyelid. I, I don't know, honestly. I don't know enough about it.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah,
1: strange. <laughs> I don't know why this is coming to my mind, but do you remember the Instagram photo you showed me a couple of days ago where it was like a woman saying like, look at how well I covered up a bad tattoo. <laughs> and then she had like a huge devil's head all across her abdomen going down to her crotch. Yeah, it was and we were thinking her, like... What the hell was this satanic, unbelievable, atrocious, unconscionable tattoo that this is what was appropriate to cover it up with?
0: It was also really dark. It was like all black and a bit red. It was a very extreme tattoo. And I was like, yeah, what could be under there that you wanted to cover it with this? It's just like a a little star around her (laughs) belly button. (laughs) A name, maybe. But then why would you? I know.
1: Unless the name is in like size 400 font (laughs) and it's in wingdings. (laughs) I don't understand why you'd need to cover your whole like torso with a tattoo. (laughs) Especially a tattoo of a devil.
0: Don't tattoo shame people.
1: I'm not shaming them. I was just very confused.
0: I say that, but I do think 99% of tattoos look shit. (laughs)
1: I mean, that's just a personal preference.
0: Yeah. It's like people, it's exactly the same as someone saying, I think neon hair looks shit. Yeah. Like Lots of people do think that. Like,
1: but I think it's about the way you frame it. Instead of saying it looks bad, you should say, I don't like the way it looks for me for my personal style
0: yeah like i'm not like i'm judging you because you have really shitty tattoos like it's more like it's not i personally wouldn't get that star on my earlobe like i wouldn't get whatever a chinese symbol like they'll play i don't know why throughout the stereotypes but like
1: those are the classics the butterfly on the lower back
0: yeah the thing that bothers me as well the
1: tribal sun around your bicep (laughs) It's, the it's, barbed wire oh, around right. your other bicep.
0: <laughs> okay, we get it. I, I just think for me, if I was gonna, what it always just comes down to is like what, what it is like your preference, what you yourself would do. And I just think for me, if I was ever gonna get a tattoo, I would want it to be at something no one else could possibly have. So you'd want to like design it yourself, and it be completely unique because. It's just, like, not wanting to wear the same clothes as someone or not wanting to have the same hairdo. Like, when I see people with pink hair, I'm like, oh, that's cool they have pink hair. But at the same time, if I went to, like, say, like, if I had, like, a regular nine-to-five job and I went to work and there was ten of us and eight people had pink hair, I probably wouldn't want to have pink hair anymore. So, do you know what I mean? And it's the same with, like those types of tattoos that like everyone has yeah it's i don't know I it wouldn't know feel so it wouldn't feel as special anymore and you can't change it it's not like that item of clothing that you can just throw out because everyone's gotten now because there is that sense of like not wanting to be the same as everyone well not everyone's like that but
1: i understand what you're saying though you want it to be like this unique distinguishing mm. choice about your appearance where some people are just kind of like I know a lot of people that have cute little star tattoos on their wrist. Like, I want to be like them. Yeah. And so it's more... But I think you are right in that people really don't seriously contemplate what it means to mark your body for the rest of your life. Some
0: do, obviously. But, yeah, there are lots of people who they get one tattoo and now they're actually just addicted to getting tattoos rather than... I want this piece of drawing on because me. I it's want this Because of art. Yeah, it's more just like...
1: I'm getting another tattoo this my, Saturday. Yeah,
0: my arm's bare, so let's cover it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So,
1: But if we're being real, if you did a completely anonymous survey, so that people could be honest, of everyone who has gotten a tattoo when they were, say, 18 or under, when they are now over 40, what do you think the percentage of people... Ah, that would say that they still feel good about that choice. I'm saying like 20%. You think it'd maybe, be that low? Maybe.
0: I don't think it'd be that low.
1: There's no way that 40 years later you could still f- approve of the tattoo choice that 18-year-old you made.
0: But I think what you've got to remember is some people, like, I feel like I change. Like, I know I'm a different person to, like, when I was a teenager. I know I'm also a different person to when I was in my early 20s. But not everyone is like that. Some people find their kind of style and their outlook on life and they stay that way. Yeah, that's true. And that those types of people aren't going to regret that tattoo. Um so, especially if they've got, like, the same friends and they live in the same place and they do the same thing, what's going to have changed that they now regret the tattoo and nothing? Like, usually something else has got to change for you to think, I don't want this anymore. So, I don't think it would be low as, as low as that. I think it would be more like 60%, maybe 50%. That's
1: some... Um naive optimism you have there
0: no because i do think a lot of people regret it but i also think even if people are trying to be honest they will say they won't regret it because they don't want to have admit like... it to themselves yeah so it will be i think hard for some people to admit that
1: then maybe it should there should they need to invent a technology where like you're talking about with face tattoos where they only last say like two or three years Yeah. and then if you really really Like, that could be your foot, like, the first tattoo they let you have. And then once you've passed that, like, three-year period, if you really want to commit to, like, inscribing this onto your skin forever and ever, that's when you get, like, the permanent tattoo version.
0: No, I don't think it should be something that you have to have.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying, like, legally mandated. I'm just saying you should go into a tattoo parlour and they should say there's this new technology, like, you know, temper tattoo or whatever. And... We highly recommend that if this is your first tattoo, you get it using this technology. Because in three years, it will finally have faded away. Yeah. And then if you still really want to commit to it, then you can get it as, you know, permanently inked onto your skin.
0: I'm surprised there's not already something like that. Because you have kind of, like, things like henna and things that last, like, six months. And then you have, like, tattoos. So
1: There's nothing in between. There's
0: nothing in between anything.
1: Although we don't follow... The advancements yeah, I mean, in the maybe there is.
0: Maybe there's like some secret where it's like if you use a certain ink, it doesn't last like it fades quicker. I don't know. Like who knows? And obviously, they have tattoo removal, but that's like expensive and painful. And
1: I've heard an in depth description of what you have to go through to have yeah. a tattoo, a large tattoo removed, and just hearing about like I don't even want to say it because it it will actually squeak me out because Mm. there's some disgusting stuff that you have to deal with in the weeks after you have those like laser sessions
0: i also think depending on the tattoo and like what it was and how big it was and just your skin because it remove it does it does like pull the ink or dissipate the ink but then it leaves your body to kind of like push it through your system and if your body doesn't do that you're going for that pain and you could just end up with a really faded like a outline smudge. of a tattoo. Like
1: I got this smudge because it's like, it represents <laughs> how we're all unfinished artwork. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you could spin it. There needs to be like a professional service yeah. where someone comes to you with their like bad tattoo that they regret and you give them like a, a, a quasi-spiritual story That's about funny. how it's really meaningful to them. And then they can just say that whenever they're asked about their... Crappy tattoo? Yeah, that's funny. Okay, we should finally move on to the first topic. So this first topic is kind of related to the fact that, like, it was Halloween, like, a day or two ago. Yeah. And listeners, just so you know, I managed to weasel out of having to dress up as Edward Cullen. (laughs) Samantha pounced on me as I was asleep and tried to push the fake fangs into my mouth. Did I?
0: That's horrendous. And I had to wrestle her off me. No not true but
1: yeah i got away with it
0: only because there's been a lot going on if a lot hadn't been going on i would have pushed it and we would have dressed up but we didn't
1: you've got pigtails right now and i'm starting to see i think you could pull off a good harley quinn cosplay i'm realizing
0: but i wouldn't do that you know why because everyone is doing that this is weird, and I don't want it to come off as like I'm not judging. It's fine if you want to dress up as Harley Quinn,
1: but <laughs> you know that this, this disclaimer means that none of that is going to be true. But, but go I feel on.
0: like a really popular character. I understand why you want to dress up as it, but it's like, don't you know that since it's really popular, you're gonna go to your party or whatever, and five other people are gonna be dressed up as it. And yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Saying that though, I haven't dressed up that many times. But one of the conventions I went to, I just up as Velma, and that's not exactly obscure. Like, there were, like, five of the Velmas there. So and I'm it was basically... a Scooby-Doo
1: convention, right?
0: No. So it wasn't
1: really a surprise. And
0: I'm basically admitting that I did the exact same thing, that I just was saying, why would you do it? So, yeah. you know, that just goes to prove I'm...
1: I think it's a weird one, because if you're really into, like, a a mainstream, like, popular nerd culture character, like yeah. Batman... Like, if you're super into the comics and it means a lot to you, I can understand how you'd be like, even if there's going to be, like, 15 yeah. Batmans at this party, and there probably is, I still really want to go all out and make a really mm. cool, intricate costume because it means something to me. And it would be super cool to dress up as yeah. this character that I've grown up with.
0: Yeah, it's like Hello Kitty or something. I would 100% dress up as Hello Kitty, knowing there would be lots of other characters. How would you dress up
1: as Hello Kitty.
0: Well, you could go like a all out suit? and just get, like, the fursuit, or you could just do cute, like, cat ears and bows. And... You
1: can dress up as a sexy, slutty no. Hello Kitty, aren't you?
0: No. Cute. Cute.
1: Sensual. No. Erotic. <laughs>
0: you can dress up as a sexy Spider-Man and just be, like, naked but have, like, spiders all over you. What? I don't know.
1: I wear, like, the... That's how stupid (laughs)
0: your thing sounded to me. I
1: wear the skin-tight Spider-Man costume, but it's completely crotchless.
0: It's see-through.
1: It doesn't need to be see-through if it's (laughs) crotchless.
0: It does, because I don't just want to see the penis. I want to see all of you.
1: The nipples? There's not really much else to see on the male body, to be honest. Yes,
0: there is. There's, like, the stomach, the sexy, like, thighs.
1: The butt, I guess.
0: Exactly. So silly.
1: I can't believe you said, dress up with just spiders all over you.
0: <laughs> That's how stupid your sexy, slutty, sensuous fucking <laughs> bullshit was for me. I was trying to be as stupid if as If I you. showed up
1: naked to a party with tarantulas all over me, people would think I was there to murder everyone. <laughs> the spider murderer.
0: The Spider-Man.
1: Joel Spiderman. Yeah. My lawyer. My lover.
0: <laughs> I wish I could quote things because... I'm not good at reciting quotes because even though I know them and I can paraphrase them, I can never say them word for word. Okay. And that makes me think of the Friends one where Chandler's trying to tell Phoebe that it's not, um, <laughs> oh,
1: yeah.
0: it's not Spider-Man like his surname, it's Spider-Man. Yeah. And it, He's like, it doesn't, go, me trying to explain it, it sounds so shit, but the actual quote. So why quote, did
1: you go into because it? Because the
0: actual quote is really funny.
1: He says something along the lines of, He's not Mr Spiderman. He's a Spider <laughs> Man. man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You kinda nailed the Chandler like the way the he's
1: Chandlerism. Like, yeah. chandler Chananda
0: Miss chandler Lebong.
1: Wow, look at you.
0: Okay, come on, topic.
1: Okay, so. Because it was Halloween. I saw this article linked. Um it was on history.com. Sure which is like the History Channel's website, I guess. Not one that I peruse very often.
0: Don't believe you.
1: (laughs) I'm really into (laughs) short-form articles on pop culture or history. Okay, so it's about a couple of years ago, there was an official US Department of Defense document released detailing a hypothetical plan for what to do if there was a zombie outbreak. (laughs) And it sounds like this is kind of like an April Fool's type thing, like they were doing as like a fun kind of PR thing. But it was actually a training exercise they did where in order to make the planners think outside the box and put themselves into like a unconventional mind state, they used the idea of something fantastical, like a zombie outbreak, for two main reasons, it seems. Um, I think firstly, they mentioned something along the lines of they didn't want to name an actual real life enemy group as the threat named in this plan because they didn't want to cause like a public panic about people thinking there was a real imminent attack coming. And secondly, they wanted to force the planners into coming up with these unconventional defense strategies and thinking in like a very practical pragmatic way about potential vulnerabilities in like real life institutions it's like a 31 page document i skimmed through it but it gets like super into the weeds of like ultra pragmatic like minutiae about all these different things anyway i just thought it was super interesting that there is like a real document from the u.s government about what they would do if zombies took over the world and because like i said as i was skimming through this document that someone has uploaded like a full like pdf of online and like i said it takes it super serious and like breaks it down like piece by piece this is what we would do um i was thinking like what would be our apocalypse plan okay if shit hit the fan as the preppers like to say what would we do how would we survive
0: I do think about this sometimes. I don't know, man. I feel like I won't last very long. Sure. Only because I can't run. And that seems silly because I don't you know, I don't think there's that many times you'll actually be running from zombies, just in the sense that they don't well it depends on what I guess types of zombies they would be, but
1: Are usually when you, yeah, or like, they you shamblers are like the sprinters?
0: In The Walking Dead, for instance, they don't run. They can walk fast, but they don't run. Whereas like in what's that Brad Pitt one? World War Z. They're fucking terrifying. Climbing up that massive wall. That's the type of like zombie that's harder to get away from. Um so yeah, I can't run. Like even when I like really try to, I feel like I don't really pick up my legs i'm like a shuffle runner you know and so i worry about that but and also i get hungry man like every three hours or less
1: can i interest you in brains
0: brains
1: once you become a zombie you can have all the brains you can eat
0: so i like to think that i would last and also i do worry that i would get left but whatever group i was in like Obviously, I don't think you would leave me, but I would be very much, like, just leave. I feel like it would be one of those situations where it would be like, just leave me. I'm, like, sewing you down.
1: You're so melodramatic.
0: But I wouldn't want you to leave You would, me. like, trip
1: over a rock and be like, just leave me, Ryan. <laughs> I look around, there's no zombies around. Yeah. Like, go on without me. I'm just dragging you down with me.
0: I would want to, like, if things started happening and, like, we had to, like, evacuate or whatever... I would take Rudy with us.
1: We have talked about this before. Like, how realistically are we going to carry him with us?
0: Yeah, it's easy for a dog because they can just walk yeah. next to you. But cats, as soon as you put them down, they'll just run away. So, I think what you would have to do is you can get those cute like backpacks where there's like a window for like it's like saw a hard that backpack. had like
1: almost like a space helmet. It was like a yeah. domed clear window that they could put their head in and look around
0: yeah but then also like you just get like a leash like a harness and a leash i wouldn't want him
1: on a leash he needs to be in some kind of
0: yeah but i mean for when like things are calmer
1: yeah like when you can go to the the
0: toilet and stuff because obviously you can't carry around a litter tray with you go to
1: the toilet (laughs) (laughs) that reminds me i We talked about this the other day as well. Do you remember when we moved into the first London apartment we lived in? Mm. And it was moving day. And so we got there and we're unloading all the boxes. And you said, I'm just going to go into the bathroom and shut the door with Rudy to keep him out of the way. So he doesn't trip people up.
0: He'd been been in his box and then traveling for probably three and a half hours at this point. So
1: it was a long time to go without peeing. And I was worried he was going to pee on the floor, but you said he jumped up into the sink and peed there <laughs> as if he knew that that was the acceptable place.
0: I was so like proud in that <laughs> moment because he obviously needed to go, and to know somewhere in his mind that like, I mean, maybe it was just a coincidence that that's where he chose, but yeah, he just ju- he doesn't go into the sink. And for- I mean, obviously this year one of the things he started doing was trying to drink from this tap in the sink. Um, but up until, like, jumping up into the sink to pee, he'd never been in the sink before, I don't think. Like, so it does make me think he really did just think it's better to do it in there because there's, like, water or whatever. So it's very strange that he knew But that. if he's that
1: <clears throat> kind of persnickety about the location when we're out on the road... Escaping zombies We're gonna be like On the side of the road In the brush And being like Rudy you can pee You can pee He's like but there's no Little I know He's like there's no Public lavatories For me (laughs) to use I'm not a savage You know Yeah I need porcelain Clean white porcelain (laughs) So yeah We'd have to have Would I have a I don't think if we had to put him in his carry box, I don't think that would be feasible. No, it
0: had to be like a backpack, like because it's heavy. Yeah,
1: even carrying it to the vets, like for a five minute walk, my arms were starting to get dead. Yeah, because he's a big cat, and that the you know it's a thick plastic carry box, so it's quite a heavy thing to carry carry
0: as well. It's not like you can't carry it in one hand.
1: So if we had the backpack, you could you could be in charge of like ferrying him around, Mm -hmm. and I could be the defender.
0: Yeah, I could defend.
1: Yeah, yeah. What would be your zombie apocalypse weapon?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this. I like the and realistic,
1: not like a lightsaber.
0: I like the, like a hammer or an axe or something. A hammer or like a like a,
1: You don't want them getting that close.
0: Like a um,
1: You're like, making a like, a like, a, like a machete or
0: Like a something even like a machete or like a. I like Michonne's weapon, the sword, the big sword, because it's really long. So you can kind of stay at like a bit of a distance. But if you have just got like a little knife, you've got to get extremely close. A little knife. And they would grab onto me, and I don't want them to grab onto me.
1: Yeah. You would need something like either a long, like a longish sword, like a samurai sword or something like that, or maybe like a pike. Which Is like a pole with like a stabbing yeah. end.
0: What about you? You don't have any zombie experience. No,
1: no one has any you zombie experience. You would need experience. something
0: long, too. I don't want you to yeah, get but close I'm, either.
1: If I'm the one who's like taking point S- and like making. You're such a
0: boy. <laughs> You're such a boy. If and I'm the I'm team such a leader girl right
1: now on our Doubt of Force zombie killing squad.
0: So, what yeah. would your weapon be? What would you want it to be?
1: I don't. I feel like I would need two. You'd need something for kind of like crowd control if you're trying yeah, to make you your way like through. Yeah, you
0: need like a gun for when you want to... But I'm just
1: talking about like melee weapons right now. Because obviously... Mean? What does that mean? Like weapons, like hand-to-hand combat. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you would need... You'd want something like maybe an aluminum baseball bat to kind of like... If you were like wading through shambling zombie hordes that would help you to kind of clear a path. But if you were actually specifically trying to kill a zombie, I think you'd probably like you said, something like a machete. Mm. Or I, I feel like a sword is so unwieldy if you don't know how to use it. Yeah. And you'd much but a you'd almost be more likely to chop off your own like leg.
0: Yeah. But a sword's good in that you can just like chop the head, like slice the head like this, back and forth. And go, whereas, like, if it is, like, something like a knife, you have to, like, put it in, get the right spot, and pull it back yeah. out, which is a lot of time yeah, a for knife them to terrible, get you. To be sure. So, something long, like a sword, or big, like a machete, where you can just chop the head like that on top, that's good. Yeah. Or even just... Yeah, because a sword as well, you can chop the head off, which kills them. But like, you would also just chop them in half, because then they, it's harder for them to get you.
1: The problem with a sword is, as strong as swords can be, and it obviously depends on the thickness of the steel, a sword can get broken, and a sword can lose its edge. So if you don't know how to sharpen a sword or care right. for it, eventually, like, the sword is going to have, like...
0: But that's going to happen with any sharp knife. I know,
1: but but with something, like, if you had, like, a metal baseball bat, it's going to last basically forever.
0: Yeah, but you've got to hit it real To bash someone's skull in, I feel like it's got to be... You need to be stronger than you do with, like, a sword or a knife.
1: That's true, You yeah. still
0: have to be strong to, like, be able to cut through. But if you have, like, a really long, strong, sharp sword, you... The work is more done for you than it is, whereas, like, if you trying to bash someone's skull in, it's like, you're probably not going to do it on the first try.
1: Yeah, but you don't need, you don't always need to kill the zombie outright. Like, you can you're just, just get them away. incapacitate them or, like, move them out of the way and then keep going.
0: But I think in my case, I probably would have to kill them because I'm not fast. So depending on what type of zombies they are, I would have to kill them to be sure. Or like
1: chop them in half. Chop them in half. Yeah. Have you got like Hulk strength in this scenario? Yeah. You know how hard it would be to chop through someone's like ribs and spine.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's all mushy. The zombiness has made them all mushy.
1: Is that how that works? It's like liquefied their bones. Yeah,
0: does like in like The Walking Dead, they do kind of get more and more. Um, what the word is. Just more and more kind of, like... Soft. Yeah. And, like, often, like, they'll just, like, the skin will come off.
1: Yeah, because they're, like, partially um, decomposing. Right?
0: Yeah, so they're... De- yeah, exactly. So they're weakening in every way. Um, so I think it is easier to, like, bash them in and slice them in half. And but stuff. I feel
1: like if I, if I gave you the sword and that was, like, your area... It'd be much easier for you to, like, bury the sword into someone's, like, midsection and it gets stuck.
0: Yeah, that's why I wouldn't go for the slice in half. It would more so, it would try to chop off the head because it's, like, a thinner section. So it wouldn't take as much.
1: Do you think you have the precision swordmanship to lop God, off someone's so, head?
0: This whole thing <laughs> has been, like, you wouldn't, be you wouldn't be able to do it. You wouldn't be able to do it. You wouldn't be able to do it. Do you think you can do it? I'm trying to you? motivate you, you to huh? be better. What about you?
1: What about me? What are you I could hit someone with a bat.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't think you'd bash them in the first time.
1: No, I don't think I would either. But I'm also not going to go up against like a hundred zombies. Get better. We're going to stealth our way through the vacant cityscape.
0: I don't know about that. So anyway. What like criticism? Now that we've had
1: our <laughs> fractious weapon debate. What are we going to say?
0: I was going to say... Trying to think about, you know, like when you watch things like The Walking Dead or like a zombie movie and you find yourself going, why don't you just do this? Like, what's your version of that? Like, I know you haven't actually seen The Walking Dead, but...
1: I've played The Walking Dead games. Yeah,
0: a lot of people during the, like, closer to the beginning of the show, it's now on, like, its eighth fucking season, but a lot of people would say things like, why don't you find, like, go to the water? Why yeah. you just get a boat? Because then you haven't got... But as they show you in Fear the Walking Dead, spoiler alert, um, one of the first things this group of people does do is go to a boat and they kind of show you why that also isn't a very good idea. Um, But that's just to do with other people. Right. What, like, things like that show you is that, like, yes, you have to deal with the zombies, but eventually you have to deal with other people being kind of cutthroat and, like... and untrustworthy and disgusting and just all those other horrible things because there's no rules anymore so there are going to be those people that just will just do whatever they want to do
1: a boat does seem like a good option if you can get your hands on one but you'd have to know how to operate a boat you'd also once you're out at sea maybe you could you have some supplies with you but eventually you're gonna have to learn how to live off the ocean yeah and I've been fishing a few times, like, 10 years ago. But I don't know how to, like, ocean fish. I don't know how to, like, bring in, like, a 80-pound swordfish.
0: Yeah. But I think you're going to have to learn to do whatever it is in what situation you're in. Like, if you stay on land, at some point you're going to have to learn to hunt. Because, like they show you in the show, like, they do are, they are constantly going out for, like, supplies... But everyone's doing that, and eventually things run out. Yeah, of course. And it's hard to find things. So they do have to hunt. And, um, you know, so I think in one way or another, you're going to have to learn those things, whether it's fishing or hunting or whatever.
1: I think I could learn how to hunt, like, with a bow or with a slingshot or something like that, as long as it's smallish animals like rabbits. Mm. I don't think I could... I don't think, left to my own devices, if I just find, like, a longbow, I could learn how to kill, like, a deer. Yeah. you sometimes see that in the movies, and it's like, you taught yourself how to bow hunt in, like, two (laughs) months with no instruction.
0: Wouldn't it be easier to kill a bigger animal, because your aim hasn't got to be precise?
1: Yeah, but you're not going to kill it outright with a single bow. Yeah,
0: but you slow it down, you might be able to catch it.
1: Yeah, you could, like... You could just chase it until it kind of drops dead from exhaustion.
0: You're probably more likely to catch an animal by setting a trap rather than... If you've got, like, no experience in, like, shooting or, like, bow hunting or whatever, um, you're probably more likely to catch an animal by setting traps, right? Rather than, like, let's try and get this aim. Let's, yeah.
1: you know. Yeah, I guess so. I guess the thing to do, like, as soon as, like, you're starting to see those, like, News reports of like a mysterious virus that is causing people to become aggressive. You need to download <laughs> ten thousand ebooks about how to like make traps and how to hunt and how to purify water yeah. and how to butcher an animal once you kill it. I was going to say
0: there's also how to eat eat the yeah. animals. Yeah, and then
1: you need to print them out and like <laughs> keep them in like a safe box yeah. that you can carry around with you so they don't get like water damaged or whatever. Because without that information. How do you make a a snare to catch a rabbit? I've got no idea.
0: So many people would just be fucked. Like, also, places like here, it'd be worse in the sense that we don't have, like, easy access to guns. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I feel like you would automatically just be fucked in one sense. Um, Do you think it would be better slash easier to be in, like, a city like London or... In the countryside.
1: I'd rather be in the countryside a million percent. Why? Because the density of the population is much more, like, spread out. Yeah. Whereas in London...
0: Everyone's a zombie and they're everywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. The,
1: f- the streets will literally be thronged with the undead yeah. because of how many people are concentrated there. But
0: in the sense, there's more supplies and more places That's to true. hide. Yeah. Because there are so many buildings.
1: It's a trade-off, though, because yeah. if... You manage to get to the countryside, and you live like you know. You you set up a tent every night. If you do it in the middle of a field, like what's the chance that a zombie, especially if they're the slow-moving ones that are like snails, what's the chance that they're gonna like stumble across you? Not very likely. Well, but if you sleep in like an abandoned building in the city, Mm. especially somewhere like London, you've got a very high likelihood. That someone is going to come across, you know, either a zombie or a survivor.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, in, like, the Walking Dead world, they are constantly moving. That's why sometimes a, like, throng of zombies will just appear. Because they've been traveling and they're just now coming across. Like, this particular, like, throng of them are, like coming across you and they're just constantly moving and obviously things attract them like sound and light and things like that so if you are just in like a dark field but then there's like a light in the middle they are going to be attracted to you um
1: yeah you'd have to exercise some light discipline don't have uncovered fires don't draw attention to yourself with loud noises if you can help it but you're gonna have to accept that there's no like you said, even with the boat thing, if you play it out long term, everything is going to... You're going to have to become adaptable. Mm. Like your plan is going to have to become malleable depending on what's going on around you. You can't be like, I'm just going to hold myself up in a building with like 10,000 mm. cans of spam. <laughs> it's not going to work like that. Something is going to happen where it's going to force you into a new circumstance. And if you're like, no, I decided I was going to stay in that building then you're going to be one of the ones that, like, you know, drops early.
0: I think the boat thing would work if, like, you didn't have to worry about other people so much because, really, that's the only thing that's going to fuck you because there's, like, almost endless, like... If you can fish or whatever, there's almost endless food. Um, It's really other people that come across your boat that's going to fuck you. Um, Another thing they did in The Walking Dead is... At a certain point, they set up in a prison. That does seem like a really good idea in terms of like keeping the zombies out, just because there's so much in their way of getting to you. Yeah. Um, but again, it's always like other people. Like,
1: yeah, that's like the classic conundrum in zombie fiction. It's like, do you join a group and throw your lot in with these other people who might? Betray you or might do something stupid to get the group killed because I don't think you could survive that long, just the two of us, mm. like foraging and like going into either. abandoned buildings. Eventually, you're going to have to, but like, how do you decide who to trust? Because everyone is going to give you that facade of like, we're just trying to get by and we don't want any trouble, and we, you know, we can help you and you can help us, and we'll get, you know, I just feel like. Yeah, like, how do you choose who to yeah. go with?
0: I was going to say that. Also, I think we're the type of people, like, if we are watching something, um, like a movie or The Walking Dead, we're definitely the types to be shouting at the screen, don't trust him. Yeah. And, like, if someone does something, we'll be like, now you just have to kill him. Whereas, like, it's obviously not going to be that easy in real life. I think people will be more trustworthy in the beginning, because people are just themselves in the beginning. I think it will be as time goes on, people become more like, well, there aren't any rules anymore. So we don't have to be nice to everyone.
1: I can kill you for your boots exactly, and that's fine.
0: Exactly. Also, you are going to be, you then become more wary of other people that they have those thoughts as well. Yeah. So it's like, who do you trust? It would be really hard. I feel like you'd have to, that's why I feel like you'd have to find people really early on so that if you can build that trust straight away they'll be less likely to turn on you when it comes to it
1: it's not just necessarily betrayal it's just people being stupid like the classic trope of the person who gets bitten And then doesn't tell anyone. So that just drives me insane.
0: (laughs) I mean, obviously, you don't know how you're going to be if it's you, because there's a denial. You know, you're essentially dead. So, and you don't want to die. So, I think part of why they don't say anything is because they don't want to then be killed. Because that's like, you'll get like half the group saying, no, we have to just put him down. And half the group saying, you can't do that. Like, you have to let him go when he goes, kind of thing. Um,
1: let him go when you know what i mean
0: like you have to let it play (laughs) after a long
1: battle with zombieism he finally (laughs) succumbed in his hospital bed
0: but yeah so yeah
1: i don't know i just feel like i know it's easy from you know this comfortable armchair to pronounce on these things these life and death predicaments but a if i got bit and i was with a group and especially if i was with you as much as i you know you have that like selfish instinct of i don't want to die i don't want to die it's all about me my first thought would be under no circumstances am i going to allow myself to turn and then you possibly get bitten like that's just not Mm. i'm never going to allow that to happen regardless of what happens and secondly i would much rather be killed than become a zombie yeah me too because who knows how much brain function you'd retain Like, are you trapped within your body as you shamble around and, you know, break open people's skulls for the tasty, tasty mush inside? Uh, Eat the mush. You can't have your pudding unless you eat the mush.
0: It's not like they want to eat brains in The Walking Dead. Like, I don't know where that comes from. Is that, like, old classic? Yeah, that's, like, a classic
1: kind of, like, 60s, 70s. Because they
0: don't, like... Go for the head, only go for the head when they eat them. They just eat them. They want. It's like more like a bloodlust than anything.
1: I do. I, I know. I am at the point now where, like, when a new zombie thing comes out, you can't roll your eyes hard enough because it's just so trite and so overdone. But there are, like, a few shining examples of, like, how to do it right. And when it's done right, like, I don't like when. It's just, like, people get bitter and then they become zombies. Like, when there's no, like, backstory to, like, how this works. I like when they try to ground it in, like, a realistic sense of this is how this disease, and I'm doing quotation marks, works. And, like, here are the rules and here's why it works the way it works.
0: Because depending on how they do it, you can even be looking at it from a supernatural point of view. Like, if there's no science behind it and it is, like, they're monsters, that's, like, a supernatural element. Right. Whereas, like, if they do try and... Like, The Walking Dead is very much like it's real life. I think they have tried... Like, in the beginning, there's a there's a top point where they go to, like, the CDC and there's only, like, one guy left. And he tries to explain the science behind it. Um yeah. In
1: television parlance, we call him the exposition guy. Yeah.
0: So so I do think there are instances of that. I think The Walking Dead is really good. I love The Walking Dead. It just started back up, so I'm trying to wait for some episodes to build up before I can get into it. Because it can be a really slow show because there's so many characters. Um, not as slow as, like, Game of Thrones, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's ridiculous. And also it is a show that has like 16 episodes a season. So it's not like ridiculous. But I do think they're like, they have done it so well. Like it's really good.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed the... Um, I
0: really want you to watch it. I know I just interrupted you, I'm sorry. But I I know I always say to you, like, do you want to watch Walking Dead? And you're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, but do you want to? Because I really think you'd like it. And you're like, no. And I just never give up.
1: It just doesn't really interest me. Like, no. I've seen scenes from it, and I I like the tone they're going for. It just, to me, it feels too much like classic, unremarkable zombie It's not, though, I don't think. But from everything I've seen, I haven't seen, like, it doesn't have, like, a unique hook that, like, this isn't just zombies. I'm sure it's, like, a really well-told zombie story about survivors and whatnot. And like I said, I've played the Walking Dead games, and it's, like, they're really good stories. They're, like, fun games to play. They're well done. But it just doesn't grab me the same way as something, like, I just recently replayed... The Last of Us, which is a video game. And I love the way that they set up how the zombies work. Basically it's almost like a, a, a fungus outbreak. It's based yeah. on a real life thing called cordyceps which is this fungus that gets into the brains of insects like ants and then it forces them to like attack other ants or like go somewhere and die so the fungus can like grow through their body. Yeah. And the idea is that the fungus has now found a way to transfer to humans. And so once the spores of the fungus get inside your brain, it starts to grow out of your, like, skull. And so they have, like, these huge fungal plates erupting out of the middle of their, like, eyes. This is horrible. Yeah. So that's how they kind of ground it as, like... And that's why they have this kind of, like, monstrous aggression because their brains have been, like... Mm fungus has grown through their brains and taken over them and is using them as a host to spread the spores onwards i love when there's an interesting take on it like that that i can really sink my teeth into when it's just like classic zombies that have like their jaw hanging off and they want to like eat your brains or like turn you by biting your neck it just doesn't really interest me in the same way
0: how does the fungus spread like do they bite or do they like attack you if they
1: it it has the, the the normal transference route of if they bite you the fungus gets into your bloodstream but like i said it can also force the infected people to go somewhere and die and then the fungus sprouts out of them and shoots out spores Oh and nice. so if you breathe in those spores, you also turn?
0: That's kind of interesting. There's a there's like a season in The Walking Dead where <clears throat> people are getting because it's like it's in it's become uh,
1: airborne.
0: Yeah, like and so people are getting like really extreme flu like symptoms and then they're turning. Um so yeah, so there's an element of that to it too. Also like I said it is kind of grounded in science like it doesn't seem like this crazy supernatural element to it like that coupled with like you really like in the Lazarus and you played the walking dead games and I know what type of shows you like I know you would like let the walking dead Let it go dead. woman it's no, not I can't happening. let it go I can't because it's not just that classic like of like oh they're going to bite you and then like it's done really well it's not like Stupid.
1: I'm not saying it's a bad show. I've heard it's really good. I trust uh, yeah. the chorus of consensus about this show's I'm,
0: like, bitter quality. that you won't give it a chance.
1: Listen, we've got enough shows to watch. It's not like we're facing a dearth of things to watch Actually, on TV. Actually, I don't
0: think we do because we're, we've been watching The West Wing and we're coming to the end of it and then we don't have any shows to binge. We just have, like, the occasional weekly show that we watch, but we don't have enough to watch, like... A couple of episodes a day. So actually we do need something to bind.
1: I'm still not going to watch it. (laughs) Let it go. Let the dream die. Mm. I dreamed a dream of walking dead. I wish that Ryan would watch it with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So yeah. It's it's interesting how it's rare in zombie fiction and i'm definitely not like a connoisseur of it i don't like i have been tired of zombie stuff it seems like for the last decade so yeah. i haven't watched or consumed that much of it but it seems fairly rare that the zombieism the disease itself can transfer to animals which seems kind of unintuitive because if it can take control of humans if it can infect the human animal why can't it infect similar animals Like monkeys or whatnot.
0: Yeah. I mean, think how it's in The Walking Dead. I think it, like, obviously if it gets in... Yeah. Remember there's, like, a part where I think they're eating meat and it's, like, the meat's been infected, but it doesn't kill them. Right. Or or maybe we don't know that it does because it wasn't, like, main characters that had done it and then you don't see, but... But, yeah, it doesn't, like... There aren't, like, zombie horses running around. <laughs> like, that's almost, like... I think maybe because that seems so silly... Yeah. ...that that's why it hasn't gone that It'd route. It'd be
1: hard to take it serious.
0: You're, like, saying about how, like, you're zombied out kind of thing, but it's not from watching loads of zombie stuff. It's just because there's been loads of zombie yeah. stuff. Because, like, the only zombie stuff I've seen is that World War Z and then now The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead... I tried to watch, I guess there was like iZombie or Zombie Nation or something. It was like another TV show that started a few years ago. And um, I think I watched like the first 10 minutes. And straight away you could tell that it wasn't like... The Walking Dead is very kind of like gritty and real almost. It's like a serious show. Whereas, like, this was very much, like, I don't know.
1: More lighthearted?
0: Yeah, almost, like, yeah, it just wasn't, didn't have the substance. Um, It's kind of, like, the difference between watching, like, what's, like, a really good, like, crime show? The Wire. Yeah, it's, like, the difference between The Wire and Castle.
1: Yeah, but Castle is good for what it yeah, is. Yeah,
0: yeah. But if you do want... Like, I was looking for a Walking Dead yeah, type of I show. What you're and I started it, and I was like, oh, this is not... This is stupid. Th- this, that was definitely a case of where it was like, no, this is silly. Like... And it had, like, people in it. It wasn't like, you know...
1: Yeah, I... I couldn't, like, rattle off a list of all the zombie things I've ever consumed, but I've definitely watched a bunch of films, played a bunch of games. Like... Mm. I am definitely at the point where if something comes out and it has zombies or some variant of zombies in it, that's like instantly a barrier to me wanting to try it. Like it has to kind of win me over with some other interesting aspect of what it's doing.
0: I mean, imagine there are loads of zombie games. Yeah, of course. It works
1: perfectly because... It lets you kill hundreds and hundreds it's of people an, yeah, it's an instant without baddie. any guilt.
0: Yeah, it's like the instant... That's the villain. Now we can create whatever story we want around that kind of thing. Yeah. The Last of Us just seemed like a fresh take on it. And I watched some of you playing it, and, like, there was, like, story there. And, like, you got really attached to, like, Ellie, Yeah, I want to say, the girl. Yeah. Um, I tried to play, like, the mobile game of, like, The Walking Dead. And it was too tense, man. <laughs> like, the zombie would be coming at me and I'd just be like, no, I can't do it. Like, I can't get away. So it was, like, too tense for me. Um, But I could see how it would be funny if you were, like... I have absolutely no experience, really, with game. Like Even when, like, I try to play a game of you, I'm like, hey, you have to tell me what this button does and what that... And so... It's not intuitive for me. Like, I don't just automatically know what you got to do kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas it would be for you. Um,
1: That can be a problem. Like, especially with a really intense story-driven game like The Last of Us, to get into the atmosphere and into the narrative, if you always have that barrier of having to look down at the controller and try and remember which button is, like, pick up item... You are never fully sucked in. And so I I definitely get that.
0: And you're just not good at it because you can't get around those things. That that sucks. And that's why I stopped playing.
1: You know, I was thinking about that recently.
0: Mm.
1: It's not something I've ever really heard talked about before, but... There is almost this false ideal of video games as, like, there's, like, infinite potential in the storytelling. Like, you play a game and, like, you get to choose, like, what happens. Like, in most games where you are given any kind of option, it's usually, like, the good option or the evil option. Like, do you shoot this guy or do you spare him? And usually if you spare him, spoilers, he comes back and kills you or tries to (laughs) attack you later. That's why you've got
0: this thing in your brain of, like...
1: Yeah, never trust anyone. If
0: someone does you wrong... They're showing you themselves. You need to just kill them them right in the base of
1: the skull. But anyway, it's usually this very stilted binary choice, and then it like leads you down either a route or b route, and then you keep like splintering off from there. But it's usually it's usually like a very artificial, false sense of choice. But what I was thinking about is when I was playing replaying the Last of Us, I did it on hard again. And hard is pretty hard, to be honest. And I was having a much more difficult time than when I first played it through on the PlayStation 3. Mm. Which is weird, seeing as I'd already played it. And it made the game and the story of the game feel different. Because I was dying more and I was having a much harder time killing the enemies... It made the character that you play as for most of the game, Joel, who's like the father figure, the Mm. rugged, gruff, I don't want to be your father figure, but But, I eventually warmed you as my daughter surrogate. It (laughs) made him feel like a different type of character. Oh, wow. It made him feel weaker and more desperate and more of an underdog. Like, if I'd gone through and just completely demolished everyone because I was a better player at the game the character himself would have felt different. Like I would have had a different impression of who this guy was and what he could do. But because I was struggling with encounters and I was dying and Mm. I was having to really scrape for resources and I would get through gunfights by the skin of my teeth, that's not supposed to be a thing that affects the narrative. But in a very kind of subtle overall way, the fact that I was struggling with the gameplay changed my impression of the character. Yeah. And I thought that was super interesting as, like, an unintended way the player moulds their sense of the protagonist.
0: Yeah. That's strange. How it completely changed it. Um, I'm Trying to think, like, when I watched, like, The Walking Dead, <clears throat> it's so weird when, like, characters come on that, like, you don't like. I, I can't imagine... Being a fan of, like, The Walking Dead and then not liking Rick, who's, like, the main character and, like, the leader of the group. It would change your experience of, like, the show. Not the same way a video game, just because you don't have a choice. It's like when you watch things and they kill your favourite characters. It's like, no. You've ruined this for me now forever because they've died and they didn't need to. Like, it was silly. But, um... But yeah, it would be a completely different experience watching it if you didn't like those main characters. I kind of contemplated reading the comics. Yeah. But I'm a very visual person in terms of like TV shows and movies. So, yeah, I don't think I would get into it.
1: I get exactly what you're saying. Like, I think there is this kind of, idea that the source material is always the best like it's always the purest Mm. version of whatever this story is whatever this world that's being built but if you are the type of person who connects better with like visual storytelling like in a film or tv show you are going to have a better experience it's going to have a great impact on you if you watch it in that adaptation Rather than going back and like forcing yourself to like read a hundred comics of this thing because you feel like that's the purest like form you can get it in.
0: I think it's because I need to be submerged completely and reading does that and watching stuff does that. But that middle part of like comics where it's got pictures and like a bit of text isn't going to do it for me, I don't think. Like, yeah, but uh, as far as I know... Just in terms of, like, going on things like the subreddits and stuff, I think The Walking Dead does stick really close to the comics, apart from a couple of things. Like, I know that one of the main characters in the show was actually, like, only in, like, a couple of the comics, but the character on the show was so popular that they kept him. So anything that happens with his character is new because he's not in the comics, really. Um, but apart from like a couple of things like that, I think that everything is quite, like, some people know when certain characters were going to die, even seasons into it, because they know they die in the comics, or whatever, just little things like that. Um, and I think they've even done word for word stuff before. Oh, wow. Before. Like, you'll see things like, he's the panel that that scene was from. And I never click on it because I don't want to, you know. But just from my kind of, like, seeing very little of it, I get that sense that it's quite close. Um, So that's kind of cool, honestly. It can
1: be cool, but it can also backfire. Like, I always, for that type of thing, think about the Watchmen film. Yeah. The Watchmen graphic novel is, of course, like a cult classic, Mm. universally acclaimed, had, like, a huge impact on the... Format of storytelling in comics and graphic novels in general. And when they adapted it into a film, it was very strange because you can see in almost every scene how they slavishly force themselves to adhere to these like classic panels that everyone remembers. And sometimes it's cool and you get that like spark of nostalgia of like, oh yeah, I remember when it looked that way in that part of the comic. But other times, it just feels so forced and they have to do kind of like awkward framing and stuff that doesn't Mm. feel natural for the medium of film. And that's when you start to feel like, I wish you could have taken the source material and translated it into the best way it can be presented in film rather than trying to make what is essentially an animated version of the comic panels, but with like real life, scenarios and environments and actors
0: i get what you're saying i guess i just don't really have it like i'm trying to think the only there's only really been a few things where i've read the book and then seen the movie twilight's the biggest one i actually saw the first movie before i read the first book but then for the rest of the movies i'd already read the books and so you do kind of like wait for those moments to come. And there is kind of like it, a back and forth in the in the sense that. It's so thrilling when you see your favourite parts from the book translated to screen. But then obviously when it in terms of like books to movies. They have to miss out so many things. I'm trying to think if there was ever a scene where I was like this does not work in movie format. Like from the books. I don't think there was one. I mean. That's good. Yeah, not for me anyway. Um, I never really found it to be kind of like, no, yeah, they shouldn't have they shouldn't have put that in because, like, whatever. But that might have just been, like, that blind love you have for it that you just want to be shown as much as possible. Yeah. So I don't know. But you've seen – I haven't seen – actually, I think I might have seen The Watchmen. I think I did watch it with you eventually, but I can't remember any of it.
1: It's a very – polarizing film adaptation. Yeah. And I say polarizing, but mostly people hated it at the time.
0: I feel like maybe isn't the Watchmen like, shouldn't they really made it a TV show, not a film, because of how much content there is? No.
1: Like, I, I think there were things that they cut out from the graphic novel. Like, there's this whole subplot with this kid going to like... A newspaper stand and reading this comic and then you kind of see what's happening inside this comic about like a pirate ship or something like that it's been a long time since i read it and they cut like that kind of unimportant like side stuff out yeah. but the story of the watchman isn't really that like long or elaborate like it definitely yeah, okay. if you are willing to like make some compromises that wasn't the problem with this film. Like, oh, they only had two and a half hours to tell the story. Mm. The problem is, from my perspective, like I said earlier, I think they tried too hard to replicate yeah. perfectly, like, the graphic novel. Instead Rather than of, translating yeah, it, they Instead just... of giving their spin on it and trying to realise it in a different format.
0: Yeah, I understand.
1: So, talking of... Now that we've got our apocalypse plan yeah. settled, although not really... Not really. Just think we could never, like, just think about all the things you'd never get to, like, have or do again. Like, all the foods that you would never get to eat again if -hmm. we had to be, like, nomadic travellers trying Mm -hmm. to escape the zombie hordes at every turn.
0: Uh, This is why I think I wouldn't survive. I think the mental aspect of, like, nothing's ever going to be the same again, what's the point of living now, would get too much for me.
1: (laughs) That's understandable. (laughs)
0: Like you when you watch things like The Walking Dead, and it's just so hopeless for people, it is like a, like there's really not that many like suicides in it, and you'd you, like
1: you'd think there'd be more, yeah,
0: you could understand why there would be more,
1: but people um, probably got that out of the way as soon yeah. as the zombie outbreak happened,
0: but yeah, so I feel like that's probably why I wouldn't survive more than anything
1: yeah when you see them and they're like cold and hungry all the time and they're wet and their clothes are never dry or clean and they're always eating like cans of peaches or cans of beans like half heated on like a a tiny fire so they don't attract attention you do start to feel like why are you how are you finding the motivation every day to struggle onwards man I'd miss video games (laughs) because video games would be done because there'd be no electricity like books I'd, I'd still have books that's something
0: I'm trying to think of the like the most important thing to me that I do that I won't be able to do anymore, yeah, probably just the internet in the in the sense that so many of the things that takes up a lot of my time is like watching YouTube videos and going on things like Reddit, like you can't yeah. do that anymore, and well it is like in a way a small thing you would be reverted back to that you only get to talk to people that are in your vicinity yeah and so it would be quite strange
1: hyper localism
0: some (laughs) some that's a weird term something i was thinking of because like your family don't live in this city do you think if like something was happening the first one of the first things you'd think of is like i need to get to my family
1: probably yeah yeah like as soon as things st- because it's not like one day there are no zombies and the yeah. next day the sh- you can't get through the streets yeah. because there's so many zombies so as soon as things start to like break down it seems certain that like we're heading towards catastrophe irreversible yeah. catastrophe I think I would probably take you and your family and meet up with my family and then try to go from there
0: yeah, your family's bigger than mine, so it would make sense probably to like we just get my mom and like <laughs> we go, you know? The cats all the it, cats. Yeah, it sucks because if something like that happened, my brother lives like in America. So
1: That's that would be the weird thing as well, because it's almost like you said the only thing in a sense that would kind of exist for you would be the city that you're in. Yeah. Like, you'd have no idea whether the whole of the US had been wiped out already. Yeah. Or if the whole of Russia had put, you know, you, you've got, you'd you'd almost go the rest, unless they do find a cure and civilization gets back up on its feet again, you'd go your whole life without knowing what the state of the world and what the future of humankind look like. And that would be very, yeah. like, existentially depressing
0: god one of the really hopeless like just despairing moments on in the walking dead well it was actually fear the walking dead where one of the characters at some point like finds like a signal on the radio and it's someone in space
1: Oh, yeah, you told me about that. That's a cool idea.
0: Yeah, and it's just one guy, I guess, who'd gone up to, like, fix the satellite. I don't know how it works, but it was, like, one guy. Yeah. And he obviously knew, was getting transmissions up until a certain point, so he knew what was going on. And he was saying how, like, his, like, I guess, power source and, like, food and stuff is about to run out. And so it was, like, his last kind of... He's just going to now suffocate or whatever. That's heavy. It was really just... Like, however bad it is down there, there's usually always a way to continue moving.
1: Yeah.
0: Unless, of course, you do get, like, bitten or whatever. But that was just, like, completely, it was really, really emotional and just, like, hard to watch. Going back to, like, what you were saying just, you said something, I can not remember what made me think of it. Oh, about how like it doesn't—it's not just like zombies, no zombies, and then the next day yeah. it's zombies. Something interesting, like when The Walking Dead starts, he is like in an—the main character is in like an accident. It's kind of like twenty-eight days later, where like he wakes up and the world is zombies. Well, when they started to fear The Walking Dead, because that's not based off the comic. That's just like an offshoot of the show. So. It's the same that's world. That's weird. It's the same world, but when it opens, it's the beginning of the apocalypse. So you see those something that you never got to see in The Walking Dead was the beginning of how right. it happened. And so when the fear, of The Walking Dead started, that's what they showed. It was set in like L.A., like California, and they showed you those beginning bits of like you know the military coming and like setting up and just being all and that was really interesting to finally kind of get to see like an iteration of like what that might be like.
1: I feel like most zombie fiction has the same kind of conception of the downfall progression it's always like At first there were like these scant news reports about some kind of mysterious disease and then it starts to spread but people, the government is like holding the information back from people. But people start to get like panicky and fearful and then like there's the full-blown outbreak where it starts to spread across the globe and then it's always like the government declares martial law, the military has set up checkpoints that you have to take off your clothes and show you're not bitten and people start to feel like oppressed and start to fight back against the military. And then it's just like a couple more things and then we're at the apocalypse.
0: That's why when The Walking Dead started it was refreshing in that you didn't see any of that. But obviously by the time the fear of The Walking Dead came around it was like, no, maybe we do want to see how it started because it's the same world. And I read recently that they are planning to show a Walking Dead character in *Fear the Walking Dead*, so it would be like a prequel to their character. That's cool. Um, something like that. Anyway, they are planning some yeah, kind of crossover, like a crossover. Um, which would be super cool. Yeah, like to see. I'm very excited. It's about always that.
1: interesting to get that backstory. Mm. It's weird though when you know that they're inventing the backstory after, yeah, after the after like effect, retroactively. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'm not too
1: bothered about that. Yeah. But if you invent the backstory first, then it kind of informs, like, the chicken comes before the egg and it informs the character themselves. Whereas if you have to work backwards, I feel like it's, it still can be cool, but it's not quite as... Integral and cohesive.
0: I think working backwards, though, might give you like a unique opportunity in terms of like maybe showing the character as completely different. Yeah. Whereas you don't necessarily do that going forward. You see like a progression of how the character changes, or you see them just as they are now, like, and you left to wonder how they got that way. Yeah. Whereas now, working kind of backwards, you, they could show you like a completely different version of this character because it's eight years before or whatever I mean it's not eight, even though it's eight seasons, it's not eight years because it moves really slowly but um but yeah, interesting
1: so anyway, our plan is <laughs> set up a compound with high concrete walls, learn how to farm vegetables, yeah, that's a good way to go about it, but I guess you would need. Like, can you just put a veg, like a tomato seed in the ground and water it and it will grow into a tomato plant?
0: Yes, I think so. As long as it's like certain, like some things will need certain weather. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm thinking. Or certain
0: seasons. So some things won't grow until that next season comes around.
1: And there is such a thing as like soil that is not
0: fertile.
1: Yeah. Like it's, all the nutrients have been drained from it.
0: Yeah, I think that is the case sometimes. It's like, no, you can't grow things here. You'll have to find, like... A... See, this
1: is what I'm talking about. Yeah, we need to Before learn... the apocalypse, we need to print out some yeah. agricultural manuals.
0: As soon as we hear, like, the rumblings of, like, there's a disease in America, I don't know. Yeah. And, like, as soon as we hear those rumblings, we need to, like, get on the case. Learn how
1: to grow cabbage. It's going to be cabbage stew for a long time, baby. Strap yourself in.
0: No.
1: Talking of that more pragmatic approach, how do you feel about real-life doomsday preppers? People who have, like, 10,000 cans of preserved fruit and vegetables in the basement and gas masks and whole armories of weapons and they have a bug-out bag underneath their bed and whatnot. They have plans, like... I have a boat that I never go on, but I keep in, like, this private harbour just in case things go down and I need to get out of here.
0: It's kind of just like having a hobby. Mm. Because every week or every month or whatever, you buy something new to add to your kit or your supplies. You get together with people and you discuss crazy plans about what it might be. Like... That's kind of fun in a way, even though in a sense they're planning for something totally like catastrophic and like horrific. Really, right now, leading up to that, it's like a fun hobby that you can get yeah. into. It's no no different than any other thing, really. And I think people who kind of like, why would you have like a strange reaction to that? Like, I guess some people think it's weird, but like.
1: I think it depends how far you take it if you have, like, converted your house to, like, have, like, an underground bunker and you spent, like, tens of thousands of dollars on canned food and handgun ammunition, I think it's fine to... Like, if someone was, like, I have a couple of supplies, like, I bought, like, a med kit and I bought some, Mm. like, canned food and, and whatnot. If it's fairly small scale, like you said, it's more kind of, like it's so abstract and low key that it's almost kind of like a game. And it's more about them talking with other people in the prepper community and like fantasizing about all the ways they're going to be prepared when other people aren't. But if it's like it has consumed your whole life and everything you do is about this, and you look at people as you go down the street and you think these poor fools, they don't know what's coming. I'm going to be the only one who's ready. That's when it starts to become a little bit, concerning
0: yeah i don't think in terms of like like modifying things or like buying things i don't think that's like too weird because again it's like a hobby you're just you're choosing to spend your money on this this equipment and stuff but it is like a hobby it's like collecting something why do you want to collect all those things because it's fun for me like whatever i think what's more kind of unquote weird is When, like, they do what you just said, they're walking down the street and everyone's kind of like, no one knows the real world and what's going to happen. It's coming. That idea that it's coming, that's kind of creepy. And also that whole, like, can't talk about anything else. Whereas like I'm sure there are lots of like doomsday preppers or whatever where they only really talk about it in their community. Right. Because that's like everyone has the same hobby. But when it like overtakes every conversation you have and it becomes your whole you're living in a constant anticipation, that's kind of different. That's where it's like, you know.
1: Yeah. Is there
0: something else underlying going on that's fueling this weirdness?
1: It definitely can be, like you said, kind of a more or less innocuous hobby. But it can also be kind of like a bug light that attracts mentally unstable people.
0: Yeah, that's what I was kind of trying to get at just now. I was like, if you if it's becoming like your whole life and you can't talk about anything but it, maybe it's because you're like a bit unstable and, you know, Wait. it's like the tinfoil hats. Like, <laughs> right. you know, it's like that.
1: Alex Jones said to invest in gold bullion and water purifying tablets. It's when you hear people start to talk like they're clearly hoping it happens. Because they have a plan and they can't wait to execute. Yeah. When people, and then sometimes people will say these crazy things and it's almost kind of become accepted because it's like part of zombie fiction. But Mm. they'll be like, my plan is to become like a roaming marauder. I'm just going to like roam around with my assault rifle and take other people's supplies. It's become like this societally accepted way to reveal that you're secretly a psychopath, <laughs> because people just think about it in the context of like a zombie movie. And, yeah. Like, oh yeah, there is always that guy who doesn't have his own stuff. He just like tracks down other groups and steals their stuff and kills a few of them.
0: Yeah, I hate I hate to keep bringing it back to the shows, but things make me think of it. When Fear the Walking Dead started, I liked it, but it did come across a lot of criticism, like it wasn't as strong, et cetera, and all this. And that the actual story, like the plots and stuff, weren't as good. And then kind of like last season, it found its footing, yeah. so to speak, and it kind of became the show it was meant to be. And during this season, one of the big things is that they – basically come across this ranch and the guy who owns it spoilers yeah spoilers was like a doomsday prepper but to the point where his business was like making video like in order to advertise his business he'd make videos about like come and live on the ranch like because it's safe and we have all this like you know kind of like that storyline in elementary spoilers where the guy is like pretending he has like that place for doomsday people yeah kind of like that but like
1: and he's actually a con man
0: more realistic um and it is a real rant right, okay so they kind of touch on that in further and Dead, and it's how that was his business before it happened that like it's coming like it's gonna happen one day and i'm ready and all this you know
1: i feel like you if you were in the zombie apocalypse and you met one of those guys they would be like everyone else is like trudging around like miserable and they like inexplicably have this like smug smile on their face as they walk around with their armfuls of like cans of spam they're like (laughs) you fools none of you knew what i knew
0: they're like finally in their element yeah and that's you know they've got this is what they've like lived for almost
1: it's like they're waiting for their real life to begin yeah and they think that this is gonna give them some meaning I think the way, the best way to do it maybe is befriend someone who's like a hardcore prepper. And so before the apocalypse, they're the ones who waste their lives like spending all this money and wasting all this time putting these supplies and this infrastructure together. And then after the apocalypse happens... You get the best of both worlds because you can just turn up to the house and be like, hey, Jeff, yeah, we're best friends. Let me come and sleep in your bunker <laughs> for the next 25 years. I love the yeah. taste of canned peaches every morning for the rest of my life. We're obsessed with canned peaches. It's always canned peaches, uh, I've noticed. Because
0: peaches are shit.
1: And they, like, just tilt the can and the peach syrup goes down their chin.
0: Because uh, there's some kind of food that's actually nice. Yeah. I feel like I ate a lot of canned fruit when I was little. Um
1: It's the syrup. But then that I there hate.
0: are some that are like
1: Like I remember awful. eating like canned like strawberries and the strawberries themselves are okay. They're obviously like
0: Ew, canned strawberries, I've never come across that. Usually I feel like it's like canned pineapple, canned pizza. I don't know
1: why you were grossed up by strawberries. I
0: don't know. I just didn't think anyway,
1: my point yeah. is they would because they're like suspended in like the syrup mm. to preserve them. They're so, like, saturated with it and soggy that they don't, A, they don't really taste like the strawberries. Yeah. And the weird, like, ultra saccharine sugary syrup just tastes kind of gross. So it's it's not great. I'm
0: getting, like, the taste of it in the back of my throat.
1: I mean, <laughs> just... there's plenty of jokes I could make, but I'll just leave them Damn, on the table. What is wrong it's
0: with like you? It's like Chekhov's
1: gun. Like, once it's there, you know that someone's going to use it. There's
0: something wrong with you.
1: That's what the doctors say. Can you imagine being patient zero for zombieism. Yeah. Like, you know that that would be such a weird responsibility to have placed on your head if they say to you, like, you have this infectious disease we've never seen before. Like, we need you to stay in the hospital for the rest of your life. I feel like so many people would be like the typhoid Mary where they don't listen to the advice and they don't want to do the, the responsible thing and do their duty to mankind. They just, like, sneak home and then they start to spread it around yeah. their, like, neighbourhood.
0: Because people never think things are going to happen. Even when it is as black and white, it's like, no, you do have this. Yeah, They think, well, it's not going to kill me or... I'm not going to pass it on on the first <laughs> The contact. first
1: throat bite. It's like
0: people, when people say, we only had sex once. Yeah, well, okay. It only takes one time yeah. to make a baby.
1: I like you just equated I... spreading disease to <laughs> conceiving a baby.
0: Well, I'm not going to leave it hanging. You can think about that however you want to think about that.
1: Hashtag child free.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Anyway, what were we talking about? I oh, don't know. Something about canned peaches.
0: Yeah, gross. <sighs> <sighs>
1: If you're like a real...
0: condensed milk.
1: (laughs) Condensed milk. If you're like a real hardcore prepper, more than just having like crates of canned peaches in your basement, you want to have like a pre-booked ticket to like some island nation like Madagascar. Yeah. And the reason why I say Madagascar is A, because it's a very isolated island nation... B, because I remember there was this Flash game online that Matthew used to play when we were in, like, (laughs) school. And the goal of the game was to, like, spread a disease across the entirety of the planet. Like, you had to kind of make choices about how it would mutate and whatnot. This is a very macabre game. I don't don't (laughs) deny it. But he... I never played it, but he told me, basically, that there was essentially no way to win if because it would randomise where you started on Earth, like where was the origin point of the disease spreading. And he basically said, if you don't start in Madagascar, you can't win the game, because once the disease starts spreading, it would be like one of the alerts that would come up would be like, Madagascar closes its ports. And as soon as no ships could get into these island nations, Uh. there was no way for there to be like a transmission vector. And so I think that would, in a sense, kind of be the ultimate move would be to like go somewhere like that
0: oh, interesting
1: you know how there's like those private like richard branson has his own island yeah I feel like that would probably be the safest place on earth at that point
0: probably yeah because how would they get it yeah if no one arrives on your island while this is happening there's no way for them to get it
1: but if it's like a super high profile thing like a billionaire's private island You'd have to deal with people coming there on a boat and being either like, Mm. we're here with guns, we're going to take it from you because we know you're going to be well, you're going to have a lot of supplies, you're going to be well defended, you're going to have a lot of valuable stuff here for us to use. Or you're just going to have people coming there, you know, hat in hand saying, you've got all this stuff, can you take us in? Like, we have nowhere else to go, we didn't know what to do. So I feel like it'd almost be like, although it seems like it'd be a very isolated, insular place to be, it because you attract people.
0: But if you can stop people somehow. Like I mean, you can variety. always stop
1: people if you shoot them. Yeah. But you can't stop them coming.
0: I was just thinking, seeing as though it's like airborne, because like in like the Walking Dead universe, if you die, no matter how you die, you become a zombie.
1: I hate when they have like such arbitrary rules like that. Yeah. So, what's the point of living at that point?
0: Yeah, how does that happen? Is that because it's airborne, and when you die,
1: I can't really understand. I think
0: the idea is that it's in you because it's airborne, but you have to die for it to activate.
1: But then, why, when they bite you and their saliva goes directly into your bloodstream, why does that then turn you quicker if it's already in you? Um,
0: it doesn't turn you quicker. Oh yeah, yeah it does. No, yeah I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm lost. See, this, this is point. what I don't like because then obviously on like an island, someone dies of like something like a heart attack and or then, a fall. Yeah, you're then screwed. They, then they're gonna turn.
1: That's what, yeah. I wouldn't. I don't like that as a kind of
0: yeah.
1: modifier for a zombie fiction.
0: That's basically what they had to do when they'd set up in the prison. They had like clearly like set up this whole thing of like. They'd finally, like, stopped the zombies from coming in. They'd set up the prison to the point where it was like, now someone's only going to get in unless it's, like, real people or, I don't know, a million zombies come and so they break down the barriers because they're all cramped. But, so that's when they basically did that whole, like, everyone's getting sick and then they're turning into zombies so that it was, like, an internal thing. Um, But before that, you didn't I don't think they knew that once you die, you just become a zombie until yeah. that point.
1: I'm not a big fan of that creative choice. Yeah. When you were talking about it, it reminds me how it's always like the survivors in some film or whatever will like be trying to outrun this horde and they jump over a fence and then all the zombies come and like lean against the fence to push it over. Yeah. It's weird how they almost want it both ways where they want the zombies to be, like, these literally, like, mindless automatons that are just moving forward, trying to chase food. But then other times it'll be, like, the survivors will go into, like, a room or whatever, and some of the zombies will just try and, like, fruitlessly bash on the door. And then, like, another zombie will, like, get into a vent and it's like how did he have the cognitive capacity to realize that a vent shaft would take him around into the room
0: yeah there are a few things like that in the show where it's like they lean on the door handle and it opens the door (laughs) like it's silly things like that
1: they Um, waited for one guy to go to pee yeah and they got him
0: kind of silly but for the most part it's like not it's like you know There are only a few silly things where it's like they're clearly in a corner and it's like the only way now is for like that to happen. But yeah, so I think we we talked zombies to death, as it were.
1: That's not a good strategy in the actual apocalypse. Don't try and uh, talk their ear off. (laughs) You crack open a tome, war and peace. Listen, zombie, I'm going to read 1,200 words of Tolstoy. I don't know,
0: you've lost me. until you you've
1: get bored to death you've mad, i'm trying you? to replicate the effect right now on the listener
0: i'm like turning into a zombie just from like the <laughs>
1: <laughs> please don't turn into a zombie i don't know if i can do what has to be done if you get what i'm saying
0: you'll like you'll be one of the characters that keeps their on
1: a little leash
0: child or their wife or whatever
1: horrendous God, there's
0: some really dark scenes okay let's like- stop Okay. Are on. you,
1: like, being paid by The Walking yeah, I Dead know. right now? I really like this the show. show,
0: okay? And it's one of the only zombie things I've ever seen, so okay. it's at my reference point. Okay. okay, what's the next topic?
1: So, the next topic is based on a Twitter storm, oh God. as the kids call it. Twitter storms are kind of redundant now that they've upped the character count, aren't they?
0: Yeah, but hardly anyone's got it.
1: Yeah, when you explained that to me, because I don't use Twitter, but when you told me that they roll it out in stages yeah. where, like, only the select few get it at first, that seems so dumb to me.
0: Yeah. I either
1: give it to everyone or keep know. it in, like, a private beta test. Yeah, I
0: don't know why they do that. We
1: don't just, like, give it to, like, Twitter celebrities to, like, show off um, their status.
0: Yeah, the I've... Yeah, I've... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> why they do that. They do certain <laughs> things like that on Facebook as well, and i think instagram um but it's kind of yeah because it, i remember now like on facebook you can have like all these colors behind your status to so, like make your status stand out more and i remember that came to like android first and so i'd see people with it and i was like how did they get this because i don't have it and then i had it and so i, I don't know it's very strange so i want 280 characters i'm sure you do i don't tweet that much but
1: seems like it'd be a lot more convenient But anyway, this was a sustained tweet storm Mm. by a guy that I'd never heard of before called Griffin Newman. You actually told me about this. And you told me the guy's name, and I was like, Yeah, I don't I don't know who that is. Mm. And the funny thing is, then like a day later, I listened to a podcast with like this comedian's podcast that he had a guest on. And I was like, I really like that podcast. Like and I went to look up who the guest was and it turned out to be this guy and yeah. I was like what a weird coincidence yeah, strange when things like that I'm happened. listening to like a podcast from like a while ago um. and it just happened to sync up with you know a news story you related to me the previous day and so yeah once that weird serendipity had happened where the two things linked up I looked into it and so essentially this guy tweeted a confession if you will. And I'm going to read a couple of the tweets in his own words so you get a sense of what he's saying and how things kind of progressed. Okay, So, I need to get this off my chest. I worked on Woody Allen's next movie. I believe he is guilty and I donated my entire salary to Rain, which is like an anti-rape charity, I think. Something along those lines. This is all in bullet points, by the way. He goes on. It's a one scene role. I spent a month debating whether or not to quit. I deeply regret my final decision. Why didn't I quit? My parents were incredibly proud. I felt there were things to be gained from the experience on that set. I was a coward. And then later on, let me just skip forward a little bit. Um... I've been steadfast in what I stand for in my personal life and on Twitter, but would largely take the check and bite my tongue on set. I can't keep professionally operating from a place of fear. It's time to show a courage in my actions, mirroring my words without concession. To anyone who thinks I took the easy way out by taking the job, then denouncing it, I assure you that this is the worst combination of choices. And then a little bit later on. At the point in the response cycle where I'm getting equal amounts of separate criticism for taking the job as believing that he's guilty, I think that's my cue to lug off for the night. And then he kind of concluded, I think this is the next day, He kind of after there was a huge firestorm of criticism swirling around this guy. He then tweeted, I wasn't tweeting to gain absolution or admiration. Um, and then late, and then he concludes it with getting a non-stop stream of people telling me to go fuck myself on both sides of the issue. Now it's overwhelming, and I'm at a loss. And so you can go and read this for yourself if you want. Like it's like a lot of tweets in a row. Like this is this guy's mayor culpa about working on this film with obviously this director who's deeply controversial for things that he's a, alleged to have done, and then later on coming to regret it and wanting to come clean in a very frank and earnest way. And after I read this and saw how much hate this guy was getting, and like he said, from all possible sides of the issue, like no matter what opinion people had of what he did, they found a way to like direct this spite and abuse at him for what he had done. And I saw that and it just made me, think yet again how strange is it that you can't earnestly try and admit to something you did wrong online and try and take responsibility (coughs) for it and try and apologize for it without receiving like all this hate
0: yeah there's been a lot of like back and forth with like Obviously, the Woody Allen thing, Harvey Weinstein, now Kevin Spacey. There's loads of things coming out about various people. And at first, it's like, there's things out there that, that like, everyone knew. It was an open secret. Everyone knew. Everyone knows about this. But then, as soon as you get people saying, "Okay, I did know, but I didn't do anything... They're also getting shit on. So it's like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like, I think what you've got to people should realise is that the decision to kind of like know something about someone else or believe something in this case, this guy's case about someone is not the same as doing something yourself, like being the person who's like harassing or assaulting. Or, yeah, like... There are different levels of like what you can and can't do. Like, I mean, the only thing that's going to be gained from him not taking the job is him not making the money. Like,
1: that's kind of true, but it's also by taking a personal stand, he would yeah. be living up to his own principles. If he he says at what in a different tweet that I didn't read, he says. He fully believes and he believed before he took the job, it wasn't like something he found out later and retroactively regretted the choice. Before he took the job, he fully believed that Woody Allen was guilty of what he was accused of, and that's what kind of sets up the whole thing.
0: It's hard, I'm trying to like, uh, yeah, it's hard because in the Woody Allen case, it's strange how. You know, all that stuff came out about Harvey Weinstein. It's like, okay, there's all these women and some of them are really high profile, like Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, and we believe you. And Harvey Weinstein has been, like, fired and he's been removed from, like, the Academy and all this stuff. But then in some ways, I'm not saying any kind of assault is worse than any other kind of assault, but... There are levels, you know. There are levels of things, and so the thing with Woody Allen is that he allegedly molested his child, like, right. and that isn't believed across the board. Like,
1: I get what that you're... actually
0: went to court as well. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's I don't understand why. Is it it because it's a case of strength in numbers? There are so many women in terms of the Harvey Weinstein and, like, that other director, I forget his name. Um,
1: Roman Polanski?
0: No. Well, yeah, there's more people coming out about him. But there was that someone, Toback or something, that Um, director where there's, like, more than 300 women have come out.
1: Oh, I haven't heard about that.
0: Yeah. um, There's him as well. So I don't know if it's a case of, like strength in numbers it's believed because it's overwhelming evidence in the case of like you know
1: i think that is definitely part of it i think when you have hundreds of accusers coming out and risking their reputation by staking this claim about what someone did i think that accumulation of evidence because the testimony itself is a form of evidence it isn't definitive it doesn't prove anything but it suggests once you have that like huge preponderance of like hundreds of separate individual accusations it becomes more difficult to formulate in your head an idea of how the guy could still be innocent like if there's one accuser and one accused you can say well i don't know and it is realistic that one of them could be lying making the other innocent but when you have like 200 people coming out and accusing someone it's kind of like that resort to occam's razor what's the more simple explanation that 200 women are lying or that one man is lying Mm. and again it doesn't prove anything it's not definitive in any way it shouldn't be taken in that way but i think just as a private person observing these things you do start to feel like okay that's more believable or i have more reason to believe because of this huge amassing of evidence
0: it's difficult to know what to do in this situation in terms of like viewers you know we are the viewers of whatever entertainment is being put out by these people cuz they're all famous like movie people or whatever you then have to decide
1: yeah.
0: a whether you think this is true or not based on the evidence you know and b whether you going forward can separate the art from the artist so, yeah I'm I'm putting that to you okay
1: like. yeah it's an interesting question. I think in the realm of movie making, it's a little bit different in that yes, Woody Allen is the director of all those films, and so you might be like, okay. I've looked at this case and I've started to believe that he might be guilty of these things. So I'm going to boycott all of his films because I don't want to support him either monetarily by buying a ticket or by buying the Blu-ray or whatever, or even just in a kind of like karmic way. Like, I don't want to be sending Mm. this like acceptance his way of watching his work, however you want to state it. But he's not the only person who worked on those films. There's hundreds of people who worked on those films that had nothing to do with anything that he might or might not have done. So all those other people, if you do boycott that film, you're also boycotting their work. So it starts to get... It starts to muddy the waters a little bit.
0: But isn't it the idea that if you then support the film or whatever, that you're also supporting the people who are supporting him so in a way you're saying well they're not condemning him and so now like i don't know i like, kind of
1: see what you're saying like you're supporting their decision to support to work with him.
0: him yeah because they all know and a lot of them have been asked about it in the press and they're giving all these like weird responses but then when it comes to people like harvey weinstein they're like no like this guy's trash like
1: like you what said, has there's those... gradations of certainty about yeah, these accused people. Yeah, I guess people. that
0: must be where it comes from. Because obviously there are some people who will just believe, okay, this person has come forward with an accusation, I believe you, no matter what. Okay. Like, And then there are people who are like, no, we don't know the evidence. We don't know enough about this to say. Um,
1: I like how you've just described the dichotomy of the two of us.
0: Yes, I am much more on the side of, if a person says that they were attacked in any way, there's no reason for me to say, you might be lying. Like, that's the time when you give someone the benefit of the doubt. Okay. However, there are also levels to that, because I will fully admit that when something comes out about someone you like, okay, let's let's talk about this. There are things said about Ben Affleck in the recent weeks. I'm not, like, a huge Ben Affleck fan, but I think he's all right. I like some of his movies. Gone Girl was really good. I happen to think he's a good Batman. There's going to be him in a film soon with the new Justice League film. Probably going to watch it. However...
1: Probably not going to be good.
0: However, I believe he did those things that were said. There's even one of those things on film. Okay. So, he definitely did do that specific thing. Um, So, I have to make the decision now to, like, do I want to watch his movies? Like, because I I am someone who falls on that side of, if you say you were attacked in some way or assaulted, I believe you. But you're not.
1: Wow. (laughs) You actually just pointed an accusatory (laughs) finger. You jabbed it. In the air, in N- my N- direction. Ah! N- uh, wow. Did not. How do I respond to this <laughs> accusation? Let me say this. I think it's very difficult to know where is the exact right place on the spectrum of either blindly believing everyone or very aggressively refuting everyone. Like, there's a spectrum, and mm. you have to choose where you want to come down on it. And I don't know that there's a good way to decide exactly where to come down. But my personal stance on it is there's a difference between practical concerns and just the way that I would think about a situation in my mind. If I was at home and someone came and like banged on the door and said, I've just been attacked by this guy down the street, Jeff, can you give me shelter? Like, I need to call the police, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't be like... I don't know whether you're telling me the truth. This is just he said, she said, get out of here, back onto the street with you, harlot. I would let her in and I would comfort her as if it were true because that's the right thing to do in that situation. But then if Jeff comes to the door, I'm not going to stab him in the face and shout, you sicko rapist. So hilariously enough, (laughs) dear listener... I just had what may amount, if you were to do an EKG, to a mini heart attack because (laughs) midway through our conversation, I looked over and saw that the laptop had turned off because the power cable where it plugs into the side of the laptop is super wobbly and not very secure. And I guess it had kind of fallen out just from me moving the laptop now and again. And so the laptop had ran out of battery and turned itself off. And so I thought in my heart of hearts that we had lost the entire episode.
0: Which would have been two hours. And I
1: didn't actually want to live. <laughs> so...
0: <laughs> it was very extreme.
1: I, yeah, I went through a rollercoaster of emotions because yeah. then I plugged the laptop back in and I turned it back on. And what actually happened was it had turned itself off about we lost about 15 minutes of the last part of the conversation.
0: Yeah.
1: But somehow, when it ran out of battery, it put itself into like hibernation or sleep mode or something. So
0: it was still there. So,
1: yeah, we basically just lost the last 10, 15 minutes of conversation, yeah. which is obviously a hell of a lot better than, than two and a half hours. Yeah.
0: So yeah, so we're now going to try to recreate what we've said.
1: Samantha had to hit me with the defibrillator pads.
0: So just in case we repeat a little bit of what we've already said in the last 10 minutes. Because
1: we're not entirely sure what is going to have been captured and what is going to have been lost.
0: Just bear with us and we will try to get it back on track.
1: Okay, so you had just asked me.
0: Oh yeah, I was just basically
1: you had accused me oh yeah <laughs> j accused.
0: i just accused you of uh not necessarily believing when someone yeah. says like outright like not not believing them but in like a one-on-one situation saying why would i autom-, like you're not automatically saying yes this is true oh my god that guy's a monster yeah whereas like my i do fall on that side more than you
1: okay so my thoughts on it is that it's very difficult to know how to think about it it's very difficult to know where to come down on the spectrum because there is like a long spectrum all the way from I'll never believe anyone. To I believe everyone automatically, regardless of the circumstances or the evidence. It's difficult to know where is the the right, the most ethical place to position yourself. But the way I look at it is, I don't know. Now, in the case of something like the Harvey Weinstein debacle, there's two hundred women accusing him of something. There's one man denying it. Probably, most likely. They are not all lying. It's not a massive conspiracy to bring down movie kingpin Harvey Weinstein. I think most likely they are telling the truth, or at least most of them. But I don't know. And there is no way for me to know. All you have is competing oral testimony, neither of which are definitive evidence as to one person's guilt. Or to that person's innocence. So I don't know. I think it's fine to lean one way or the other. To suspect. And I do strongly suspect that Harvey Weinstein is guilty. But I don't know. So I can't say for sure I think he's a disgusting rapist. Hashtag I believe women. I can't take that posture. Even though it is on Twitter. In the Twitter sphere. The the most morally virtuous one as acclaimed by all, the simple fact is I don't know. And that's how I feel about it. So I can't say I wholeheartedly, entirely believe that person, that accuser, because I wasn't there. I didn't see what happened. I don't know what went down. I would like to believe them, even just in the sense of because I would like to believe that someone wouldn't make a false accusation of this gravity. But I don't know. I so I think that's an entirely reasonable stance.
0: So if I ask you specifically right now, do you think what Harvey Weinstein did, all those things that those women say, what would your answer be?
1: I think probably, yeah.
0: Okay. But in terms of like a one-on-one situation? It's
1: would- different.
0: It's different because it's it's one-on-one and the only... Like, what you're trying to say is it's more likely that it's true because there's overwhelming evidence in the face yeah. of all these numbers of women. But when it's one-on-one, it's more like you need to see evidence because, unfortunately, people do lie. Yeah. Okay, and
1: we don't know for obvious reasons. There's no way to accurately determine how many false rape accusations there are like percentage wise i think if we could it would be a very low percentage but it does happen so that there's always going to be the element of uncertainty i think most likely when a woman comes out and says that i was sexually assaulted or as raped she's telling the truth and i have no problem being sympathetic acting in like you know, a caring way of like, I'm sorry this thing happened to you. But at the same time, like I said, you always have to fall back on the fact that you don't know for sure what happened. Mm. So you can't then in your mind think what she's saying is definitely 100% true.
0: So how do you take all of that and translate it into separating the art from the artist? Like, Okay, yeah. If, okay, in terms of like... Let's go, let's start off with the Woody Allen thing, because that is more of a one-on-one situation, right? Do you now, out of principle, not watch Woody Allen movies, or do you watch it if you're interested in the movie and Woody Allen just so happens to be the director? Like, what's your stance on that?
1: I think, well, first of all, I should just say I've never seen a Woody Allen film in my life. Are you
0: sure?
1: I'm pretty sure. Okay. I mean, maybe I have. I think I've only
0: seen two Woody Allen. I
1: don't remember it, and I've definitely never searched them out specifically. I think you have to take it case by case. And the thing about it is, in the realm of movie making, when you have like a auteur director like Woody Allen, you can say, well, I believe that he's probably guilty of these horrific molestation accusations. And therefore, I'm going to boycott all the films that he helms. But there are hundreds of other people who work on that film. There are actors, there are production staff, there's post-production staff, etc. And so you are also boycotting those people who are just kind of like innocent bystanders.
0: But there are levels. Like, aren't they... So by going, you're also supporting the fact that they're not condemning him, if you know what I mean. Like, all the people choosing to work with someone like Woody Allen, who who is basically either saying, I don't care about what's going on, I'm doing my job, and I don't look further past it than that, or I know all the information that's out there, and I still choose to work with him. Yeah. So you're kind of supporting them.
1: I'm not supporting them, but I am. I don't know how you'd pull it. To go back, to bring it back full circle to this guy, I think he had a very difficult decision to make. And that's why I appreciate the fact that he came out and laid everything on the table plainly and said, you know, this is my decision making. This is how I came to this Choice and now having had time to contemplate it further, I believe it was the wrong choice. I'd like to apologize for it, it's not consistent with my principles. But when he was offered the chance to be in this big movie, which is, of course, being directed by a very well known person, he was presented with, in a sense, an unwinnable conundrum because, like I said, he has no way of knowing for sure whether or not Woody Allen is guilty of the things that he's accused of. So if he chooses to work on the film, he's potentially helping someone who is monstrous, a child molester. But if he chooses not to work on the film, he's potentially throwing away a huge opportunity in his career. And those don't come along very often on the basis of something that he doesn't know for sure to be true. So I think, in that case, he was definitely caught between a rock and a hard place. And I don't know what I would have done in his shoes, but I think it's definitely a, a gray area morally. And I don't, like I said, I don't know what the right thing to do. There is. I do know that the right thing to do afterwards is to be as transparent about it as he has been. And to explain honestly, why you did what you did and how you thought about everything. But yeah.
0: I think there are several things to take from that. I mean, one thing is that you were saying, well, he because he doesn't know whether it's true. But he himself said specifically before I took the role, I believed it was true. Yeah, I that's believed true. he was guilty of molesting a child and then I took the job. Um the other thing is I guess the idea that like people might be like, well, it would have meant something if you hadn't have taken the job. Because the idea is that if everybody did that, he wouldn't be working. Right. And so he would be being punished yeah. in the only way he can be punished now, supposedly. I don't know if that's actually <laughs> Actually, that's not actually what I, I don't mean, but know you know the what I mean.
1: Statute of but limitations, like, in, yeah.
0: Yeah. So and then the other thing is that I am glad this guy what's his name again?
1: Griffin newman
0: griffin newman said what he said because he said it at a time where you know the harvey weinstein and that other director guy all that's coming out and he said this like confession of sorts on twitter at a time when on like social media and like in the media the world was like screaming for people to come forward whether it was women with their sto- and men with their stories of harassment and assault but also for like men and like I guess what you can say called bystanders to stand up and say something whether it's them saying they knew they saw they heard and they didn't do anything just for people to be accountable for what they did or what they knew or what they didn't do or whatever and so he's Seeing that, and he's heard this call, and he's like, "I think it's a appropriate time for me to say this." I fucked up. However, even though people were then co- were calling for that to happen, they then decide that they don't like it.
1: The mob descends.
0: It's like you can't win yeah. in, in this situation because it is a shit situation. At the end of the day, people are being assaulted and attacked and raped and have horrible things happen to them and their careers be ruined, that nothing good's going to come out of it. Even if you say, well, even if it means these people are going to get into trouble, there's still no winning for anyone. These people have still been hurt, like, horrifically. So you either want people to come out and say, I did or didn't do this, or you don't. Like, I don't understand why there has to be this. It's like... When they were saying about how the Harvey Weinstein is was like an open secret that he was like a harasser of women or whatever. But then as soon as people come out and say, like, well, I did know some things, I had heard some things. It's like, well, why, why didn't you do anything? But it goes back to the strength in numbers thing. Like, if, you know, fucking whoever actor came out five, ten years ago and said... I heard a thing about this actress, that Harvey Weinstein did this thing to this actress. A, it's not your story to tell, and B, you're outing someone who might not want their story told. So I don't think people really think about that when they're like, you should have said something, you should have done something. It's not as black and white.
1: Yeah, it's a difficult position to be in because there's always going to be unfounded rumours, and there's going to be rumours that turn out to be true. And especially if you're divorced from the situation, if you've heard about something third-hand, you you have no immediate knowledge or understanding, who are you to adjudicate which rumours are true and which should be Mm. leaked to the press and which should be spread on your Twitter feed? Like, you have no way and, frankly, no right to decide which of these, like, rumoured accusations that you want to champion. And so... Like you said, it's a weird position to be in and I don't know what I would do and I don't know what you should do in that situation. But to touch on the other thing you mentioned of how people say, well, we w- at this point now, let's just get everything out into the open. Everyone come clean about anything that you know or knew or anything you were involved in or anything you suspected or whatever. You, And I think that's a good idea because as the hackneyed adage goes sunlight is the best disinfectant we need to have all these stories out in the open because we need to understand not only how the harassment and assault happened between the people involved but we also need to know the kind of infrastructure of how it was kept secret and how people Mm. chose to turn a blind eye to it so you need to have some limited form of amnesty let's call it of when people come out and say I had heard rumors and I had heard this thing and it was kind of known this and that. You need to not savage those people and try and ruin their careers and try and besmirch their characters over it. You need to say, good, we want more and more stories to come out so that we can actually understand this huge beast that was devouring people's lives underneath the surface. And if you're not willing to do that, then those stories aren't going to come out people aren't going to take the chance that this guy did with his tweet storm of saying this is my limited role in this gigantic system of abuse and covering up that abuse however limited however ancillary and i want to come clean and i want to put it before the public so that they can see what's going on and that they can judge whether this was the right thing to do and whether it would be the right thing to do in future And like you said, you can't have that if every time someone tries to come out and be honest about things, people are just heaping abuse and scorn upon them.
0: Yeah, because it's not the same. Hearing a rumor or being told a story by someone is not the same as like seeing something happen and not helping. That's different. That's that's totally different. And so I don't think these people should be shit on the way you're shitting on the people actually doing the assaulting and the attacking. Like, it's not the same type of thing at all. I think it's also important to remember that not everyone wants their story to be told. There are still people coming out with stories that want to remain anonymous. And rightfully so. Like, if they don't want like that's another thing oh i heard a rumor i saw a thing but they might not want everyone to know that that happened to them
1: yeah it's hard to know where the balance needs to be struck because is it good to have like a whole industry of one man forgive the expression crusaders where whenever you're working on a film and you hear the faintest hint of a rumor about some impropriety on the part of someone working on it you run to twitter and you shout it from the rooftops and say i'm no longer working on this film because i heard a rumor about someone do we want to get that trigger happening that hypersensitive to any possible rumor about anything no but at the same time people look at the harvey weinstein thing and say "Oh well why didn't people come out Mm. and say we've been hearing all these rumors you know it was a quote-unquote open secret So I don't know where the happy medium is between the two poles.
0: It's hard because there are, like, whispers of things and then there are, like, decade-long rumours of things. So it's like some people are going to obviously think, well, if this is a rumour that's been going around for 10 years, surely there's truth in it. Or someone said a whisper of a thing that they heard from a person who heard from a person who heard from a person. It's like you can't. Just then say that's definitely true because I have half the information yeah. and it's fourth hand, like yeah. So I think it's just it's a case by case thing. I think you can't really put rules on that type of thing because there are always going to be rumors about people, sometimes false, yeah. and sometimes true, and I don't know it. I don't know how you get around that idea of trying to put a stop to something that you don't really have the control to.
1: Yeah. And like you said, it's very difficult to know how you would publicize rumors that you've heard without inadvertently, like you said, outing the person who may have suffered a a sexual assault or something along those lines. And that's not your right, that's not your prerogative Mm -hmm. to do that. That's their choice, and if they don't want to do that, that's to be respected, and that's completely understandable. And so it's just such a murky situation to find yourself in. I don't really know how to think about it in a sense. Like, I I don't know what I would do if I was in the position of some of these people who heard tales and they heard rumors, but they didn't really know anyone primarily involved with stuff that was going on yeah i don't i don't know
0: trying to take it back to a lot of people's answer to this about like separating the art from the artist what about you personally like someone like harvey weinstein or now kevin spacey like you personally gonna watch their stuff, or w- would you avoid it because it, you know,
1: is tainted?
0: Yeah. I also think what something else to think about is it's different when it's a filmmaker, I feel like, because if it's a filmmaker like um, Woody Allen or Harvey Weinstein, they're not people that are on screen while you're watching it. There's another level of separation because you're not constantly being told this is a Woody Allen movie while you're watching it. You're watching Kate Winslet or whatever in the movie, and that's not the person who's been accused of something. So there's an extra level of separation. But when it's someone like Kevin Spacey who's actually in it and they're in like nearly every scene...
1: You're enjoying his performance specifically.
0: So where do you fall in terms
1: of... It's very difficult to know where it's appropriate to draw the line. Because like you said, with someone like Harvey Weinstein, do you boycott all the films he was involved in in any way, no matter how tangential? Yeah. Do you boycott a film that he helped finance? How is he related to that film besides the money that he pumped into it? Do you boycott a film that he helped get promotion for and help get into a film festival? Like, where do you draw the line? Because if you're really saying this guy is a monstrous serial rapist or serial sexual abuser how can you justify consuming things that he helped to make
0: even for me someone who falls on the other opposite line to you even i find it difficult sometimes to kind of like avoid certain things i'll give examples there was the Johnny Depp thing where he was, like, accused of, like, beating his... I don't know if they were married or if they were just moving in a girlfriend, but whatever. He was, like, accused of beating his partner. And there was, like, evidence in terms of, like, photos right. of her, like, bruised face and stuff. Okay. So it wasn't just, like, a rumour. It was, like, a substantial thing. Um, I now cannot enjoy Johnny Depp. Okay. Because of that, like, I'm trying to think of anything I've watched since that happened. And we watched the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And every time he came on screen, I thought about it. And so there was no separation there for me. There was no ability to disconnect the two things. Um And obviously, I still watch the movie. So, you know, but I... I'm not going to watch any Johnny Depp movies now. Like I don't think, I think that's a case of like I, my I am able to step away. Another example I've got is Woody Allen movies. I had only ever seen one Woody Allen movie before, and that was I don't kind of remember what the title was. Something in Moonlight, and it had like Colin Firth and Emma Stone in. And I only watched it because at the time I was doing a job for a website where I would go to like premieres of movies and review the movie um, for the website and one of the ones I got sent on was that movie and I ended up hating the movie anyway Um, and then the only other time I watched a Woody Allen movie was because Kristen Stewart was in one of his movies and I'm a fan of Kristen Stewart which means I watch all her movies and while watching it, a little part of me was like, "I can't believe I'm watching a Woody Allen movie," but I I overlooked it so that I could be a fan of this person. Right. Which yeah yeah
1: I get what you're saying. It it's like we said, film is a strange one because it's such a inherently collaborative, creative process. Like you can't create a film on your own. You just be a person with mm. a camera. You need, well, I mean, obviously, you could just take footage of like a forest, but there's always
0: going to be more yeah, people. If you're
1: making a dramatic film, you need actors, you need people to editors, yeah, et etc. et cetera. There's a lot of people involved in it. And if you do have this scorched earth policy where I've decided that Woody Allen is guilty of these things, and so I'm not going to watch anything. Th- that he directed or anything that he was even remotely involved in at any point in the process in any way I don't really understand how you you can go about that like it doesn't make very much sense to me because like I said he's not the only person involved in this it's different with things like books like if you take a controversial author like Orson Scott Card a lot of people don't want to read his work and they boycott his novels because he, amongst other things, he's made some very controversial comments about homosexuality. And that's very different because Orson Scott Card sat down and start to finish solely wrote this novel. So it's only him. Mm. And so if you don't like him or you vehemently disagree with something that he has done, or something that he's said, or something that he stands for, it makes sense in my mind because it's such a direct one to one thing to say, I'm not going to partake in consuming any of his creative work and I'm not going to support him financially, no matter how detached it is. Like, mm. you know, I buy a book from a bookstore, the bookstore pays the publisher, he gets a royalty check. Like, it's very, very distant. But in a sense, I can see how people could make that argument of, my dollar is somehow making its way back to him so that i understand but when you have hundreds of other people working on something on a piece of fiction i just think maybe it is difficult to justify if you see what i mean Mm. because everything is so much more diffused
0: i agree to some extent that it's like easier and harder to like separate the two Another one that's also might be easier to like stand back from if like someone has done something is like music. Right. Like if there's like a singer for instance, an example that comes to mind is the Chris Brown thing. Oh
1: uh, yeah. Like
0: sure. it's easy to like that's one person like now like if I hit like you go into a shop the only time I've ever heard Chris Brown songs now is like maybe if you go into like you're in a mall and you go into like a store oh, God. and like there's a song on. And I'm instantly repulsed by it, just hearing that voice. Um, I don't enjoy hearing Michael Jackson songs either. Like, sure. Not that I was ever a fan of these people, but that's one of those things where it's clear in terms of, like, oh, I'll walk away because this is one person who did something. And by listening to them or reading their books, you're... Essentially saying it doesn't matter what you've done. Right. I want to still appreciate your art or whatever. Um, In terms of, like, it being, like, an actor, because obviously we said about, like, the Harvey Weinstein thing and the Woody Allen thing, they're, like, the filmmakers. They're not on screen. There's a million other people that go into it. Like, this Ben Affleck thing. Like, I don't know now if I'm going to be able to enjoy it because of knowing the things that he might yeah. have done. They're obviously on a different level to some of the things that are coming out about people, but it's weird now. It's it's murky. It's like all these things about all these different people, it's like you're losing count almost. Yeah. This person, like, also even when, like, you know, when people, like, make lists, like, you'd be like a BuzzFeed list of, like, 15 actors you didn't know had, like, criminal pasts, and, like, 10 of them are, like, people you enjoy, and they have all, all have, like domestic violence pasts or whatever it's like oh can i not be a fan of anyone anymore like so it's at that point you have to say can i separate it can i continue to go on and like watch or listen or can i just step back from all these people and just you know
1: yeah i don't think a wholesale approach like i said earlier is very wise or very easily justified i understand that kind of exasperated impulse to just throw your hands up in the air and say well i don't know and some of these are going to be true so i'm Mm. just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater i'm just going to wash my hands out of all of this like i definitely get that in one sense because you don't want to be potentially supporting or consuming the work of like you know a real rapist but like we said, you can't know in every individual case, and there's gradations of everything, and there's always that little kernel of uncertainty. So yeah. It's also, is it
0: is there a point where you say where you can say, "I put myself above all these people I don't know," and I mean that in terms of I really want to see such and such movie, and now it might seem like I shouldn't really watch that movie because that horrible person's in it, but I've been looking forward to this release. Yeah. And at what point, or, or is there a point where it's okay to be like, well, me right now is is all I know, and that seems more important, so shouldn't I just watch the two-hour movie and, like, it be done with? Right. Like...
1: Yeah, I go back and forth on it. This is one of those things that I definitely haven't made my mind up about. And I think talking about it helps you kind of figure out Mm. how you feel about it what your stance should be. I'm not saying that art exists in a vacuum. It obviously doesn't. But if you really like a classic novel and it really speaks to you and you just love that world and that story and those characters, and it's like a really important touchstone moment in your life when you read it and you absorbed it, it becomes a part of you. And then a couple of years down the line, you find out that that author, like 70 years ago, whenever they lived, was a wife-beater.
0: Mm.
1: I don't think you have to disavow the novel itself. I think you can say, I don't support this person. I don't condone what they did. It disgusts me. But I appreciate this piece of fiction separate from them in my mind i make it separate because that's what i have to do otherwise i have to just burn it all and throw away the ashes i think you can't take that hard line absolutist stance of anyone who has ever done anything objectionable in any way at any level i can't appreciate something that they've created because you're going to be left with a very limited amount of mm. art to consume and appreciate.
0: Does that only work for past things, though, do you think? Like, I really loved this novel or this movie or whatever. Now I found something out. Is Does it only work like that, do you think? Whereas, like, if you know something bad about someone going ahead... Do you know what I mean? Like, can you still appreciate?
1: It is easy to just kind of think of it as, like, dead history. Mm. When an author you like, you look at the Wikipedia page, and 80 years ago they had, like, you know, some dirty mark on their criminal record.
0: But you didn't know that information while you were enjoying the book.
1: And it's like everyone involved is dead. And everyone who knew about it is dead. And it's all in the past like i think mentally maybe not ethically but mentally it's easier to kind of put that to one side and to kind of distance yourself from that but what i would say is i think there is a lot of posturing going on in this whole arena there's a lot of people who want to appear pure on social media Mm -hmm. and there's a contagion heuristic at work here where there are people who don't know whether they believe that Woody Allen actually did the things he's accused of, but they sure as hell don't want to post on Twitter that they just watched his latest yeah. film and enjoyed it, because then people are going to tag them as a person who doesn't support women. Yeah. Hashtag I believe women, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're getting to a point where even an accusation is enough to kill. A creative person's career because even if it's completely unfounded or maybe even whether or not it's true there's no further evidence that comes out so there's no way to know whether it's true there will be not only people who won't watch their work and who will boycott them because they believe that they are guilty and they don't want to partake in it but there then will be everyone else who can't watch their work for fear of the social media mob descending upon Mm. them and judging them as complicit for buying a Woody Allen DVD. So we get into a difficult place because, like we said, there are untrue accusations. Mm. And so, yeah.
0: I feel like with Woody Allen as well, it's weird because he's not really, like... There isn't really that much of an audience for Woody Allen's movies. I don't think his movies make very much money. They're not like successful in terms of like the blockbusters. Yeah, you It's think not like about.
1: Michael Bay's Transformer franchise. Yeah.
0: Woody Allen is only still making movies because he's Woody Allen. Right? Like he gets movies made because people actors still see a lot of actors still see him as like, oh my god, it's Woody Allen. It's one of the one one of the greats, and he is in a place where he will always get his movies funded because he's Woody Allen, whether they make money or not. So at this point, even if everyone did stop watching his movies, I think they would still get made. So I don't know what the answer to that is.
1: But you can't always look at a boycott as worth it based on whether it will have a practical effect on the world outside of you and your life. Sometimes a boycott has to be good enough simply because it allows you to live up to your own Mm. personal principles.
0: Yeah, I meant in terms of, like, there's no ruining his career in terms of, like, getting people to watch him less. I don't think there's that too much of a career there in terms of, like, having, like, a... Like, Woody Allen was doing, like, a meet-and-greet or something. I don't think thousands of people would show up.
1: I think he's more... Famous and beloved, then you're well, giving Well, I, I don't for. think
0: hundreds of thousands of people would show up. I don't I think mean.
1: hundreds of thousands of people showed up to like Martin Luther King's funeral.
0: No, but hundreds of thousands of people do show up for like big names for things, you know, like comic cons and conventions. Hundreds and, right, upon okay. Hundreds of people I get the point that you're making. Like, I don't think, you know, he's not, if you know he's going to be on like a talk show, it's not like, oh my God, he's going to be on a talk show. That's what I mean. I don't think okay. there's even really the ability to kind of ruin a thing anymore.
1: But again, is it good that people are trying to ruin someone who is accused of doing something? That's yeah. what I think. I would try to gather. Like, it's different if someone is a convicted rapist. They went through the court system. They had a lengthy trial. They had the time and the place to plead their innocence, all the evidence was looked at, and then a jury of their peers decided that, beyond a reasonable doubt, this person was guilty of rape. Then you've got a different situation on your hands. Then I think I could get behind people saying, well, I don't want anything to do with anything this guy produces. I don't want to partake in it as an actor, and I don't want to watch it as a filmgoer. That makes sense to me. But when you have people who have been merely accused and you don't know the core truth one way or another, I just think if we get into the mentality of burn them all, we're going to end up burning a lot of innocent people along with the guilty.
0: But then, but that's like you saying you completely 100% think that the justice system is right and it works. No. Which It isn't when it comes to sexual assault and rape. Like, it's atrocious in a lot of ways.
1: Absolutely, fuck you. Why? How dare you lecture me about this?
0: I'm not. I'm saying it's strange, I think, in this day to say, oh, he wasn't convicted. Because the rape laws are stupid in a lot of cases.
1: Let me just make this point real quick. Okay. I was using it more as like a metaphor of like there's been some due process yeah, the I know. facts of this situation were allowed to come out and be judged. I wasn't saying if someone is acquitted from a rape charge a 100% certain they're not a rapist.
0: No, I know. I'm just saying it's not as black and white as you're getting like on your soapbox. Also, there are statute of limitations yeah, for things. Yeah, it's true. You know, sometimes it takes people a long time to understand what's happened to them. Yeah. Sometimes it takes people a long time to say it out loud. It's difficult. It's not as easy as quickly running to the police station saying I was raped. It's not always as easy as that. Um the other thing is, in the case of Woody Allen, from what I've read, it was it did go as far as it can now go to trial. However, the the mother and Mia Farrow, She was like, "I don't want to put my daughter through this." That's the only reason, as far as what I've read, is why it didn't then go to trial and he would be convicted. So okay. there are levels to yeah. that.
1: Yeah, but I don't want to get bogged down in the weeds of like debating a, a, a single person's guilt or innocence.
0: No, because- I know. I'm just. I'm saying. Just in a response to what you said, yeah.
1: But I don't. I have very limited knowledge, if any, of the facts of Woody Allen's situation, so I can't yeah. like debate that with you. But just in a general sense, I'm just saying. Generally speaking, you can't know for sure either way, and so it's hard to know what to do. Yeah, because generally you want to make ethical decisions based on certain fundamental facts that you have at your disposal, and if you're looking at a scenario from a thousand miles away where one person says one thing and another person says another thing. That's what I was saying earlier. I think it's more kind of a posture to say, well, I believe her. It's because you want to believe her and maybe by extension, you want to be seen on Twitter as believing her because of the social virtue that it confers on you. So I, I, I just think this is... There's a lot of things that are intermeshing here. Mm. There's the truth of the situation, which is hard to decide from the outside, if not impossible. And then there's everyone surrounding the gravity well of this debacle, how they want to respond to it, either based on what the actual evidence is or just their personal preference, and then how they want to be viewed in response to how they respond to it. So it gets very, very messy and complicated.
0: I think also the amount of like stories and um, people coming out and information out there also informs you in terms of like at what point when you're reading it does your brain switch from this person's being accused of something to this is what happened, you know? like Like right now with as many things that are coming out, for me it's like this is what happened, like...
1: Are you talking about Weinstein?
0: Yeah, and, like, Kevin Spacey and, like, the other guy. And, you know, like, for me, it's definitely a case of this happened and...
1: But I don't understand why you can't say, I think this happened. Or I "I think this was likely to have happened. It's like you want that added kind of thing of saying... I think this definitely happened, but I don't understand why you need to have that.
0: I guess because there are people involved that you are going to see again, if you know what I mean. I'm going to see certain people again in movies or interviews. And I'm talking about the victims here too, like whatever actress or whatever had happened to them if I then see them in a movie or, or an interview, I have the information in my mind and my brain is going to do one or two things. It's either going to have the knowledge while viewing this person that this happened to them, or it's going to have the knowledge that they alleged something happened to them and it might not be true. And so you're deciding whether that person's a liar, essentially. And what I'm saying is my brain switches to they're not liars and this is true. In the overwhelming face of all the information that's okay. come out. Doesn't always do that. Like
1: Yeah. You know. I just I think it's better not to be so black or white about that. If I say I don't know, it doesn't mean I'm calling Yeah, of course. The person a liar. And like you said, I do think we you, there are special circumstances like in the Weinstein case. But in most cases, it's either just a gut feeling mm-hmm. or it's you're sublimating some personal preference of I want to be supportive of rape victims. And so, therefore, I feel like I need to support this person by saying I believe what they're saying is true. And, yeah...
0: Yeah, I definitely understand, though, your stance on it, that it is reasonable for you to say, I don't know, but you don't know, you don't know these people, you don't know what they're capable of.
1: But that's not enough for some people. Yeah. They feel like that is too wishy-washy, or you're taking the side of the rapist, like they want to ground it in these, like, us versus them terms. And I refuse to play that game because it's all just blame-slinging. It's always just holier than thou while I believe the accusers because I'm behind sexual assault victims. That's what I'm talking about. I'm definitely very interested in the way that everyone who's viewing these events finds a way to interact with it in their mind and finds a way to use it in a certain way. And something we we discussed when I saw it was, do you remember when I, this is like just as the Weinstein thing had broken and not everything could come out. But like a day later, the top headline on the news site I was on, I think maybe it was The Guardian, was Harvey Weinstein's wife leaves him. Mm. That was the whole story. And that's when I started to think, this is morphing into something else rather than a question of his guilt or his innocence. So many people have started to believe that he is guilty that they're looking for ways to take pleasure in his suffering, such as this. A lot of people want to read that story, which is not news. His wife leaving him is not front page, top of the website news that should be reported like that. But so many people want to look at that and be like, good fuck that guy he's a rapist Mm. i'm glad his wife leads him he should commit suicide like he starts to become this receptacle for everyone's hate and i don't know if that's a good thing i don't know if it's good that everyone in the world decided that they could pour their hate into this one figure because maybe he is guilty but he's not the only rapist that has ever existed but people want to have this magnet because they can't identify every rapist so they take this one person and they like hyper concentrate this hate and just disgust towards him and i don't have a very good way of articulating it but there's something about that that disturbs me a little bit there's something about that that i'm not sure is good
0: i don't really know how i feel about that i remember when you brought it up when you saw it and you showed me the headline and i was just like I think I was just in a state of, like, that's how the world is now. Right. These things do get reported on as if they're, like, it's absolute need-to-know information, like, this, you know, every second of this person's life. Um.
1: Breaking news. Harvey Weinstein takes out the trash yeah, in his like, dressing gown. His beard hasn't been shaved. Is he depressed? Question mark, question mark, exclamation mark.
0: Yeah, I- I think I was just definitely on that side of like, well, that's how it is now. i are always surprised. Yeah. So I didn't really have much of a really opinion on that. In terms of like people like hate, like hating for this, I think there were, le- there were reasons why. Like in terms of seeing someone say they've been sexually harassed, sexually assaulted or raped, I don't know how to view that as a person who hasn't experienced it themselves, and so when you real when you know what it feels like and also when you know how common it is, not only is it common that people are raped, but it's even more common that people are harassed and assaulted. It happens all the time, really just all the time. It's, you view it differently, I think. You view it from a place of, of course I believe you because I know how likely it is that it happens. And you also view it from, you would never want to be in a position where people didn't believe you when you told them. And so it would be surprising to me if a person had been all the way from, like, harassed to raped, didn't fall on the side I fall on. Do you know what what I mean? Like, if it's someone who's never experienced that, I could see why they fall on the side that you fall on a lot of these things. Or on that side of, like, no, they're fucking lying, or this is ridiculous. I don't like you
1: equating these two positions. No, yeah,
0: I'm trying not to say that I think I understand
1: now what you're saying. You're saying you want to give people the benefit of the doubt because more likely than not, they are telling the truth. And I, yeah, I get that.
0: I also think going back to like viewing it through the eyes of someone who like knows connects to the thing that you were talking about, about fueling all that hatred, right? You know, If something like that has happened to you, you know that specific hatred you have for that person who did that to you. And so it's very easy to tap back into that and say, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And I know what I would want my, like, attacker or whatever to feel. And I now want you to feel it. Because you have done this to however many women, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying... Every single person who has been harassed or assaulted or attacked feels this way. I'm saying that's my opinion based on my experience.
1: See, this is what, this is the point I'm trying to make. And like I said, I'm struggling to kind of express it in a clear way because it's just something that I've thought about and I've been toying with in my mind, but it hasn't really cemented itself as a specific notion. But... Like you said, it's like Harvey Weinstein became the entire Earth's stand in for rapists everywhere. He became like the avatar of the rapist. And so all the hatred that the world feels towards rapists and the act of rape, they heaped upon him. And I'm not, I want to be very clear, I'm not saying this in the way of poor Harvey woe is him, let's have pity on him. He doesn't deserve any of this hate. If he did do even half of the things that he's accused of, he's a despicable person and he deserves nothing less than hatred. And of course, people are right to look at him and think that he's a disgusting human being who should be ostracized from society because of these evil things that he has done. I'm actually just concerned with the people who are directing the hate. I don't know if it's healthy for them to have this infinite bloodletting of their hatred towards this one target, because I think there's something kind of, he becomes like the surrogate for everything they hate about harassment and sexual assault and rape. But he is not that entire thing. He's just one man who may have done all these disgusting sexual assaults. And so, I don't know if it's good that instead of directing that animosity and ultimately that desire to destroy towards the entire system of, like, sexual assault in general, I think people may be getting too myopically bugged down in hating this one man in particular at the moment. If you see what I'm saying.
0: I do, but why does it matter? Because I don't know if he, it does matter. at the end matter. of the day, if you believe he did do those things... He doesn't deserve any goodness.
1: I don't think that he does. Do you know what it's kind of similar to? I think I mentioned on a previous podcast how I... And obviously this is very different in Mm. a lot of ways. But when Hugh Hefner died, I saw all these articles where they were gleefully heaping this like scathing... Essentially... Scorn and disgust upon this person saying he's done all these horrible things towards women. He's helped promote this culture of objectification towards women. And he's accused of all these different things. But alongside that, there was also all this like, and he's a disgusting old man who likes to have sex with multiple women and he can't even get erections. So he has to watch lesbian porn and he has to take Viagra and he lives in like a dilapidated mansion that's has mold in the walls like it wasn't just enough for them to stay focused and just attack him for the things that legitimately deserve criticism like the negative things he may have done towards women it became more about destroying the person like directing this scattershot indiscriminate hate towards him because when you're mocking an elderly man's preferences when it comes to orgies that's completely unrelated to what his magazine empire may have done towards popular culture and how they it views women as sexual objects and so again i'm this is very like at an early stage in my mind in terms of these ideas popping up but i saw that and i was like this is not good like why can't you just focus on the things that he actually did that can be rightly criticised. Why did it have to progress to mocking him for things that are kind of unrelated to that and trying to tear him down as a person altogether? It was that, like, cathartic release of hatred towards him that I felt like was unnecessary and kind of diluted the real criticisms there may be towards him and his actual actions. Yeah, And that is obviously in a very different place from what's going on with harvey weinstein but it's the same type of thing if Mm. you see what i'm saying
0: no i know what you're saying now because it's like when people say about harvey weinstein well he's fat and ugly anyway look at him exactly disgusting exactly it's like what has his looks got to do with anything it's like when people are talking about trump and they talk about how fat he is and how orange he is it's like Shut the fuck up! Like yeah. that has absolutely nothing to do with how bad a politician you're missing is. the
1: point entirely. Like
0: you're now just shitting on all fat people. You don't realize that, but you are. Like I get totally what you mean now. Right. I didn't get it at first, but I know what you're saying. Like now. I said,
1: I'm I'm struggling to put it into words.
0: Even even people like I obviously I don't actively hate Harvey Weinstein. I'm not that invested. But obviously when I read things, I do think, ugh, you piece of shit. But I don't think, you ugly, fat piece of shit. Yeah,
1: that's the distinction I was trying to draw. Yeah,
0: and it does make me mad. Like, I saw someone on another podcast saying about how Harvey Weinstein just looking at me, just looks fucking disgusting, and he was saying all this stuff. And I'm like, I switched it off. I don't want to know about how you hate overweight people. I want to know how you hate rapists. Exactly. That's exactly my point. It's totally different. I'm so glad I finally clicked (laughs) Into what you're doing. Yeah. It really mad it's really got me mad just yeah. thinking about
1: it. But that's what it becomes about. <clears throat> like when people start getting into these like really ad hominem attacks of like, oh, he's a fat guy, he must be gluttonous, he must have all these other character faults and this is why we should hate him. You start to realise that the hate is starting to spill out of its basin, in. Mm. It's starting to flow everywhere else. And people are just using it as a opportunity to expose their other prejudices yeah. under the cover of, hey, we all hate Harvey Weinstein, right? And he's fat and we hate him because he's fat, right? And it's like, well, no, can't we just hate him for the the things that he actually did? Like, that's all I'm, I'm saying. I understand why people need to kind of vent these negative emotions and this hatred. I'm just more so thinking about what is the healthiest way psychologically as people in our position just viewers from a thousand miles away like what is the best way to think about this yeah that allows you to do it in a in a kind of ethical way
0: yeah it's hard it's another way don't just funnel all your shit into this one yeah person or this one emotion don't let that take over everything else
1: because you don't want harvey weinstein to become the sole scapegoat for this whole like web of sexual assault in hollywood because if you heap all of that on him then it's like oh do you remember when there was all that sexual assault in hollywood oh yeah harvey weinstein but yeah. there was more there was There's more so than many him more. yeah but because yeah. he became this like glowing figure this like target for everyone's hate i feel like a lot was being missed outside because people were so solely focused on him
0: and while they're concentrating on that they're missing it yeah they're missing what's happening everywhere else that's
1: what i'm trying to i'm trying to get across like falteringly Uh, so yeah it's been an intense one has yeah
0: you were like, let's do something light before we do the dark. Subject. Yeah, I knew we had but to the do Then the apocalypse one also became a bit like darkish as well. I think so I don't think we ever going to. This grasp is such that a lightness. A
1: like mix of different topics though. Because the whole idea of whether you can separate your appreciation of a piece of art from its controversial artist, I think that's just such an interesting idea. And I think it's going to yeah. only become more. And more relevant, because like sixty years ago, a popular novelist who had like took the nation by storm with his latest book, how much did people know about that guy? Yeah. If he was like a reclusive guy who just did an interview here and there, he didn't know about all his private life and whatnot because he wasn't on social media. But now, when someone produces a film or a book or a novel or a video game or an album or whatever, most of the time, not only do you have the insight into themselves and their lives that they give you via the things they put out there in interviews and social media and documentaries and whatnot but you also have everyone around them who's giving you that like secondary insight into them and so more and more people are going to have to decide what they can live with what's acceptable what needs to be shunned what needs to be criticized and i think it's going to become more and more a part of our like daily ethical calculus
0: it's weird because it's like it's like when you read something or you yeah when you read like a book and then you go and look the author up or whatever to find out information i guess really then like and i don't do it with everything i will only look certain things up like if maybe i just want more it it seeps over into well let's just look up the author but sometimes i don't and I think sometimes, honestly, it's good that you don't because then you do just get to appreciate the art. But obviously that opens up a bigger conversation of, well, that's you just like hiding away from like whatever, whatever. But like you said, like even 30 years ago, we didn't have the access to all this information now. So I don't know. It's it's complicated. It's not as easy as like just get rid of all the yeah. shit and like...
1: I wonder how much of a bright line the distinction of it being fiction or not is. Because say there's a novel by someone who was convicted of sexual assault. I think there's a way for you to appreciate that piece of storytelling and that world that has been built separate from your feelings of disgust towards that person. Like, I think there is a way to keep those apart. Maybe that's like a self-indulgent thing where I'm just wanting that to be true and it's wish fulfillment. But I think that that is possible. But then if they have a memoir and they write about their lives and they try and defend the sexual assault that they did and you come out and you say, I really love that memoir, that in a sense is kind of like saying, you're kind of giving it validation. You're kind of giving it acceptance. Whereas... You can appreciate a piece of art and not say that its message was good. Like you could read a book about racist characters yeah. and say, "I love that novel." It doesn't mean you're signing off on what the racist characters you're in it, was it a said. Good piece of art, yeah. yeah. But if it was a racist memoir or a, ra- a racist book of essays where it's nonfiction and it's this person saying their actual views about the world, I don't know if you can appreciate it and. Enjoy it and praise it without, in a sense, kind Mm. of attaching yourself to it and signaling some kind of agreement or consensus or something like that. I'm very gropingly trying to get towards how I feel about this. I really don't know, honestly.
0: I think I fall more on the side of not being able to separate it because I get into a place where I can't stop thinking about it. Like I said, when I was trying to watch the the parts of the Caribbean, every time Johnny Depp came on screen, I was like thinking about what he was like in real life and how all that happened and has he done it to other people and why don't more people believe it? And like you see the picture in your mind of her with the bruises and it's like I thought about that repeatedly throughout the movie, essentially then not really being able to enjoy his performance. So that for me that's cut off any future you know. But I also think it's case by case in terms of like if you're already a fan of someone it's hard. Like if you be real with yourself it's difficult. Like if something came out I've said how many times I like listened to it something came out about her that was like horrific. I like to think I could just be like well she's a piece of shit but I don't know that because that specifically hasn't happened to someone I'm a huge fan of so I don't know I can't give that opinion right now
1: I also think to a certain extent there's a question of is it kind of self-aggrandizing or otherwise kind of self-indulgent to be like I've got to decide this This person might have been raped by that person, but I've got to decide how I feel about it. It's really important that I decide what way of thinking about that event in a different country, in a different time. Like, I've got to figure out morally how I want to look at that in order to keep my hands clean. I think there is an open question about whether... That is to try and make it about yourself too much. I don't no, know.
0: No, because I think the reason why you're saying you have to decide is because you're deciding whether to take in art by them. Like, I'm deciding whether I want to watch the Justice League movie because I'm deciding whether I think he's a piece of shit or not and I want to support that. Like, it's like, yeah, I, for me, I, I would like to think it's not about making it about yourself, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, maybe it is a bit like...
1: Yeah. Um, I guess we haven't come to a, a, yeah. a conclusion. It's
0: ongoing.
1: It is, yeah.
0: I'm sure we'll talk about this again at some point in some way.
1: But I think the one, although we did disagree about certain things, to bring it all the way back to the beginning, I think we are in agreement that we we both think that this guy on Twitter did the right thing and that more people should come out and try and create some transparency about how these things do get covered up by everyone involved at every remove. Because the more that we understand about how these things stay hidden for so long and how they get perpetrated under the cover of no one's ever going to catch this guy, the more we can start to dismantle that. I agree. So yeah,
0: I don't think we necessarily disagreed on things. I think it was more just like this is what my brain kind of automatically does, and this like you're yeah. more of an a logical thinker, and I'm more of an emotional thinker, and and so I think that's just.
1: I think the way we talked about it and the points that we put in opposition to each other, you can have a civil, reasonable conversation about that and disagree at the end of it whereas on twitter it's like it's like no do you believe that ben affleck is a rapist no then you're a rape apologist Mm. you are helping rape be perpetuated across the world like it becomes these absolutely ridiculous hyperbolic statements of like you, you don't have the exact same Slice of perspective about this that I do Well then you're part of rape culture And you're part of why this happens And you're disgusting And I disavow any connection Mm. with you
0: Not to say that Ben Affleck has been accused of rape Because as far as I know he hasn't
1: Yeah for Ben Affleck's lawyers
0: Yeah you were just using that name
1: you got to append allegedly to everything Mm. To protect your ass in a legal sense
0: Protect your ass
1: Is that a song? I
0: don't know
1: can you make it a song? <laughs> Give me 16 bars of protect your ass.
0: What did that guy say? Protect your underwear.
1: <laughs> what a weird reference.
0: <laughs> protect your underwears or something like that.
1: People are stealing
0: them. Yeah.
1: Isn't it no weird one how? Who knows what
0: we're talking about, but it's fine. Yeah,
1: that's very true. <laughs> Isn't
0: it weird how? Like
1: laundrettes in America, like people just put their clothes in the washing machine and then like they'll go away for like three hours and come back Mm. people could so easily steal your clothes yeah like if you had expensive designer clothes in there that might be a good way to survive as a thief just go to like a laundrette Laundrette. in like a wealthy area scope out who's got like expensive like you (sighs) know designer clothes and then just wait for them to leave and pilfer
0: but usually expensive designer clothes have to be dry cleaned yeah I doubt... Also, wealthy people aren't using laundrettes. They've got their own washing machine. that's true. (laughs) So, yeah, I kind of found it a bit weird. When we lived in that one apartment in London, you weren't allowed to have your own washing machine. So there was, like, washing machines in the building that everyone had to use. A, I found it weird to just walk away and come back in an hour when it was done.
1: Doesn't feel right.
0: Yeah, because a time or two, my washing would be out the machine. Like someone had come, it was finished, I wasn't there. So they'd take my washing out and put it in my
1: basket. How dare you.
0: So A, someone else is touching my washing.
1: Don't touch my undergarments.
0: And B, something I'm thinking of is, how clean are those washing machines? Because if you're putting, like, your dirty knickers in the... <laughs> In the washing machine, and then someone else puts their clothes in afterwards. Aren't you getting their dirt essentially? Are you the germs from euphemistically
1: referencing vaginal dirt? What is wrong with you? I don't think that exists.
0: No, but you know what I mean? The germs from one, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um,
1: But, but wouldn't the hot water of the washing machine kill the germs?
0: Hot water doesn't kill bacteria, yeah. I don't know. I think obviously they supposed to probably should be cleaned every now and then. But no, they like,
1: definitely weren't.
0: But they weren't, no. There's
1: probably lint in there so from yeah, like 25 years ago.
0: I'm just going to try not to think about that because that's <laughs> kind of gross.
1: It's good to have our own washing machine, let's it just is. say that.
0: At first, I was very like. I had that thing of, like, we're living in an apartment in the city and there's, like, a laundry room, like, how you see on the movies and in Friends and stuff. And that quickly went away. Real quick. at first it was, like, I liked it. I'm not sure why I liked it. But after a couple of times, I was, like, I'm so over this. Having to constantly go up and down the stairs. And also it was creepy and, like just yeah. didn't like it and sometimes the machine didn't work and then you had to like call the guy and it was just hassling the and the end. guy
1: never came quickly yeah. he had to come in a couple of hours
0: i also realized as well that we weren't cash people yeah we never had cash so it was like when it came to laundry time it was like i, I need to go and get we money. need to
1: get some pound coins
0: yeah which is such a weird problem to moan about yeah <laughs> So,
1: yeah. <laughs> all my money's tied up in land don't you know <laughs> um, i'm cash poor land rich
0: yes okay. you i know where you got that from don't
1: give away my <laughs> secrets
0: <laughs>
1: not Kay. really a secret i just saw a scene of a show that you watched. yeah yeah and i whatever. stole the line yeah and no one will know unless i just said it which i did this is a flawless inconspicuous transition too we hope you enjoyed this episode This episode was produced with love. A self-raising flower. At Gas Mark 5 for 25 minutes.
0: Don't forget to add eggs.
1: Don't forget to add salmonella.
0: Yep. Runa.
1: Please share this episode and all of our episodes, which I think is a few gigabytes of data. So maybe just hand off a a USB stick to one of your pals. Or mail it if they're your pen pal.
0: Pals.
1: Please share this podcast with anyone else you think may like it. New episodes are released about three weeks after the last one. Like we said, this one was somewhat delayed because of our adventures with Rudikins.
0: ah <laughs> oh, Rudikins. And his
1: phantom ailments.
0: Phantom?
1: Yeah, because they What's... turn out to not really be there. I mean, his symptoms are real. We just don't know that they signal something more nefarious.
0: Okay. You've got to pass.
1: Thanks. What were you going to do if I didn't get a pass? Decapitate me? Beat you? Drag me to the guillotine? (laughs) Okay. You can find the podcast on iTunes and pretty much all other podcast services. Or you can go to rtappodcast.com, which is spelled A-R-T-A-T, podcast.com, which redirects to our SoundCloud page. You can send any feedback or comments to rtappodcast at gmail.com. And seriously, if you've listened to more than one episode of this podcast, let alone all of them, which I think is probably impossible, but if you have listened to a couple of them, seriously send us an email because you are amongst an <laughs> elite fraternity of insane people who have listened to us ramble.
0: Or comment on something on one of our we want to social hear medias you. and say, hey, I'm listening.
1: You're a member of a very select and exclusive group
0: I think even if those people have listened to them they turn off before we talk about this I
1: don't appreciate that <laughs> and I don't like it and I don't respect it and honestly I won't vote for it come election time <laughs> but yeah seriously send us an email god damn it just a little hello hello just send us a half dozen roses would it kill you god damn it Like you just staring at me, giving me as much rope as I need to hang myself here. Where are we? Okay. Please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, which helps podcasts very much. And if you want to follow us on social media, we will probably be there and square.
0: We'll probably be there.
1: We'll be square. Just
0: waiting for the notification to come. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're constantly wearing google glasses and it's only attuned to our our tap podcast you've got notifications. My, i'm cutting you off you can't cut me off i've got a microphone i can cut you off i've plug. got the laptop <breath> i'm muting her mic that was off. a perfect
0: time to just be quiet
1: you've got too much be the over. power has gone to your head mm. i can cut you off at any time
0: i'm turning my mic off so they can only hear you
1: I've already turned your mic off. They can't hear anything you're saying no, right now. They can
0: hear me. <laughs> can you hear me? I don't know what voice this is. It's scary. This me. is what
1: happens after four hours of <laughs>
0: I'm hungry. rambling.
1: You let me get out the last point, and then we can go and feast. Hurry! So, if you want to follow us on social media, we're our tap podcast as well, and we'd appreciate your likes,
0: likes, and comments, and subscribe.
1: All forms of your virtual. Approval. We'd also like you to appraise our antiques. No, which we I'm have definitely
0: cutting you off now. You just At this
1: point I'm just saying things rambling. that sound similar to other things. Shush. It becomes a language game of itself. Wittgenstein would be proud. And with that, we are ghost.
0: Once again for listening to the podcast we hope you liked our new cold open intro
1: hashtag farewell to actual intros
0: <laughs> the music used during the intro and outro was kindly provided by christopher from sounds and our podcast art was created by the talented jake contou whose work you can find at jake k-o-n-t-o-u dot artstation.com see you next episode